Scrum. Ready in Nebraska? Ready. Ready in Kentucky? I am. In five, four, three, two. Welcome back, everybody, to the Savage Cromcast. We went to Robert E. Howard Days 2016. I'm Josh. I'm Luke. And I am John. And we are back in the studio. Two of us went to Howard Days this year. And we have a report from the road, and we wanted to fill Luke in on all the stuff that we saw and the stuff that we heard and uh, play for you guys some interviews that we recorded while we were down there and give you kind of a, an inside look at Robert E. Howard days in Cross Plains, Texas. Yeah, man, the uh, the stories you guys have told makes this sound like just such a fun, fun few days. It's a hot track. You can feel the Texas heat coming right off it. Yeah, that's true. That's for sure. A lot of barbecue. Lord Almighty, a lot, of- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, I don't lot know of- anybody in Texas ever has a bowel movement. All they need is meat, and coleslaw, and uh, gravy. There was a lot. Yeah, you had big biscuits and gravy every morning. Uh, yeah, that's true. It was fun. We had a blast. We wish that you had been there with us, Luke. Yeah, man. I wish I could have gone. But uh, we'll fill you in on what we saw and what we heard. So, John, was this your first time going to Texas? Uh, yeah, well, except for that one conference we had a few years ago, but first time anywhere outside of Austin. I'll yeah, that way. It was not my first time there, but it was my first time like going to a small town and, and, uh, seeing what it was like, um, and experiencing what Texas is and, uh, meeting real Texans, meeting real Texans. Yeah. Actual honest to God Texans and talking about Howard at Howard's house. So set the stage, John. What did we do when we got there? Uh, we ate pizza on the way there. That's true. Is yeah. that what you mean? <laughs> well, I was I was going to fast forward to uh, cross oh, planes. To yeah. the actual house. <laughs> we, we met a lot of people. It was great to meet some of the fans of the show, people who have been listening to us since the very beginning, people that we've picked up along the way, and to meet a lot of folks who are really into Howard and to introduce them to our show and to introduce them to podcasts in general. And just to to meet cross planes, that was sort of the the goal was to get to know where Robert E. Howard lived and what it was like there, and it was it was awesome. And so we were first timers at Howard Days, but there were a lot of other first timers there. And like you said, yeah. we met some Chromecast listeners, and we're going to play a couple of interviews with two two of those listeners, both of whom have been vocal supporters for a really long time. Uh, up first is our friend Evil Ed from Tennessee. Evil Ed was awesome. Yeah, we hung out with him a good chunk of Saturday. He hopped in the car with us and uh, sat with us while we watched the whole wide world. Cool. And then uh, Gary, Gary Dow, uh, spent Mr. some time. Gary. Yeah. Uh, Listener Gary, maybe our very first listener. Yeah. We were I, receiving I would, correspondence. I'm that medal on him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was the, our first uh, actual non 
Kentucky listener. Um, Non-familial. <laughs> yeah, non-family. Non, uh, yes, I'll listen to this if I have to, li- listener. Uh, and, and I we don't sure- understand, but I, I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> uh, we sure do appreciate both uh, both Ed and, and Gary. So we'll play those interviews, and then we'll be back. Josh and John and Ed. Ed. Evil Ed. Evil Evil Ed. Ed. Yeah. Tell us about yourself, Evil Ed. Well, I'm a used to be bouncer, now work as a senior programmer for uh, a company that makes rubber mats out of tires. Okay. Uh, do you do you want to tell us about your geographic location? Is that cool? Oh, sure. I'm a I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Cool. Our, our neighbor to the south. Well, my neighbor to the You're south. You're in Nebraska now. Well, yeah. Except for He's right southern, now. You're in uh, south, Texas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Originally from Boston, though, right? According to the accent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you tell him I'm Bostonian. <laughs> <laughs> right. Rural. Rural Bostonian. Yeah. Rural. Uh, and uh, Ed here is uh, a fellow first-timer at Robert E. Howard Days. That's right. But uh, he is not a first-timer to Chromecasting. That's that's true, or to yeah. to Chromecasting. Yeah, Ed has been one of our uh, most vocal supporters for a while now. Yeah. Uh, and it's been great to meet him. Um, so given this is your first year at Howard Days, uh, what has been your favorite thing about the day? Besides us. Oh. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Going through the house and seeing the typewriter that Robbie Howard used to create legends. That was that was the highlight, seeing the original typewriter yeah. in the house. Yeah, seeing, in his room. Seeing yes. that little room, it's it just... I, I can't imagine how it must have been to live in that tiny room in that house in the heat in Texas in the 20s, the, the teens, 20s, and 30s. And With just, a glass window that your mom can see through. Right, yeah. It's it's really something. So all that creativity sprang from that tiny little room. Um, how'd you get here, Ed? Yeah, how'd you get here? You drove. I drove you? all the way. I figured I'd do the scenic drive. And you mentioned something about doing Civil War sites. Do you like history as well? Yeah, I'm a I'm an armchair history buff. Armchair history and buff. Into okay. Civil War and colonial era stuff around. Okay. So I try to. My goal is to eventually hit all the different Civil War battlefields in, in the country. Right on. Which ones are you going to try and get here in Texas? Well, on my drive back, because I don't have much time, I'm going to hit the Vicksburg Civil War battlefield, okay. and hopefully. When next time I come back to Texas, I have a little more extra time. We'll hit, maybe go, do a road trip to the Alamo and some of the other uh, sights and sounds. That'd be awesome. Were there many Civil War battles in Texas? Not really. Not too many. Not I really. I think so. Well, so it's pretty much in the in the in the, the south, pretty much, except for some areas that got closer to north. But yeah. That sounds like fighting words. You're saying Texas is not in the south. Texas will say that too. <laughs> oh, okay. Have you ever not paid attention? Texas is its own. Texas, Texas is its own thing. Texas, yeah. Yeah. There's there's the South, there's like the Midwest, there's New England with the Yankees, <laughs> and and then the West. Right. And then there's Texas. In Canada. There's Texas. Or Canada. <laughs> Uh, so we have a mutual friend that that we just that you told us about earlier today, and we didn't know that he was a mutual friend, uh, Jason Sizemore. That's right. I've known Jason for almost a decade now. 
Jason has been on the podcast. He's a good friend of the show. Tell us a good Jason Sizemore story. Uh, you can make it as embarrassing as you want, or you can keep it as PG as you want. And if you decide later, I wish I hadn't told them that, we'll, no, <laughs> we'll not put it, it online. It, it's, it's really hard. To, it's more of a visual thing, which is hard to do in the world of podcasting. True. Yep. But it's just when Jason gets... Uh, his libations on, uh-huh. he gets this really interesting, almost, as he's talking to you, he moves in slow motion. Okay. Yeah. molasses Yeah. Yes. Remember, That's a good term. There were times when we had him on the show that he just sort of sat there and didn't say anything, like he was gathering his thoughts, and then very slowly came to life. See, I wasn't there. <gasps> That's right. That you was, were, the, you that was the first show post-Nebraska. That's right, and we had to record it twice. That's right. <laughs> Most people don't know Jason's actually a life model decoy. Really? Is that right? That's right. Like Nick Fury. That's right. People don't know that. Can we hear a little bit about how you got into this Howard fandom? What brought you here? I got into Conan fandom uh, through the comics, through Marvel's comics, and later in the movie. And as I got older, I started, you know, more curious about what the, the stories that the comics came from. And from there, I branched into Conan, and from Conan and Robbie Howard. I found Lovecraft through Robert E. Howard, and then, of course, Weird Tales in general. I'll start from that Marvel comic. Awesome. That's awesome. And you've got a big plan to go to, you come here, now you're going to go to see Lovecraft's house. That's my next go, yeah. And uh, what's what's our other friend? Oh, Clark Ashton Clark Smith. Clark Ashton Smith, you're going to hit him up? Yeah. Was he a Californian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's my goal, to try to hit all these uh, locations for some of the Weird Tale writers, especially once that have like some type of uh, the original manuscript stuff on display to check out. That's cool. I wonder, I wonder if there's a Seabury Quinn uh, museum somewhere. I wonder where that guy's from. I want to write a letter to Indianapolis for a C.L. Moore marker. No least. kidding. That'd, that'd be, be cool. That'd be I cool. like C.L. Moore. I discovered her thanks to my friend Charles Rutledge. He introduced me to her and I started reading her stuff uh, earlier this year. It's been, I really enjoy her stuff a lot. It's we did, really good. We did Jarrell. We did Jory? one Jarrell of Joyery. Yeah. It's a joyry story. That's hard to say. It is. Uh, the Black God's Kiss. Yeah. That's yeah, a so good we've, story. We've got to come back to Jor-El. Yeah. Jor-El. Yeah, not <laughs> Jor-El. Not, uh... Father sent, of Kale. Yeah, that's right. I sent them you, my son, to show them a better way. <laughs> but you uh, like lots of other stuff, right? I see a John Carter Warlord of Mars yep. t-shirt here. What else do you like? Uh, I like a lot of cheesy horror, as I talked earlier. Hell Comes to Frogtown is a cinematic masterpiece. Evil Ed is going to provide to me a ten-part list of <laughs> films that I need to watch. His, That's good. I'm his glad. films to watch. I'm glad yeah. someone is. Uh, Josh uh, and Luke have not taught me anything. <laughs> you had never seen the Conan movie until, uh, until we grad were in school. grad school. That's true. Wow. I, I'm also a baby. That is true. I yeah. am a 12 year old boy 12. that you put on this show. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old. <laughs> the fact I can probably say I saw the Sultan of Conan in the theaters. Wow, I feel old. That was eight, that was 82. 82. Okay, you're not 10. old, dude. I was 10. You're you're only as old as you feel. And at that case, I'm forever 21. There you go. Which has nothing to do with the story in the moss. Right? <laughs> skinny jeans. No, nothing to do with skinny jeans. I wasn't a lot even of skinny a, jeans here. I wasn't even a twinkle in my daddy's eye in 1982. Wow. I was one. 
<laughs> oh, awesome. We've really enjoyed meeting you, Evil Ed. Yeah, dude, this has been great. It's been great to hang out with you today. Yeah, if I would have known you like puppets, I would have brought my puppets with me. Well, did we say we like puppets? We were talking about Puppet, <laughs> puppet Master, Master earlier. Oh, yeah, he's you got like some, Puppet Master. He's got some of the Charles Band uh, Puppet Master puppets. I think you wanted us to all watch Puppet Master together for Halloween once. I, well, I did, yeah. I bought at Walmart in the $5 bin the uh, like first six Puppet Master movies. Have you detected from the show that Luke has more discerning tastes when it comes to films than Josh and I do? I, yeah. <laughs> I tend to have a wide variety of tastes. Yeah. I go everything from Hill Comes to Frog Town down. I was telling you earlier, I'm a big fan of pre-code nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was giving me the noir rundown. Oh, cool. Kiss Me Deadly has a pre-code version that just came out. On Criterion. Really? Okay. Wow. I'm into that. Yeah, I'm going to awesome. buy that. Uh, I just got a copy of Kansas City Confidential a couple yeah, of weeks ago. That's a good one. I really like that one. We need to get Luke talking about uh, Jurassic World like no. every episode. <laughs> I really enjoyed that because I was like, really? I, I actually kind of like Jurassic World. Sure, it's, it's kind of <laughs> low on story, but it was entertaining. It was exactly. Fun. It's fun. <laughs> See, Luke? It's fun. It's better Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. That is, that is true that as well. That was not a good yep. one. And Jurassic Park 3. Let's talk about the idiosyncrasies of... At least it had Sam Neill. That is true, yeah. Sam Neill came back. What's that Sam Neill movie that you really like? Uh, Possession? No, it's... Uh, <laughs> He's on a spaceship in hell. Event Horizon. Event Horizon. That is a... That, that's a I really yeah, like that. That's great. It's You take some sci-fi, you take some Lovecraft, you put it in a shaker, you shake it up, pour it in a glass uh, over two ice cubes, and that's what you get is cool. Event Horizon. I like it. Can we put you on the spot? You've been talking about your love for film here for a yeah. few seconds. Can you give our listeners like two movies that you want them to watch? Oh, one two, thing. One two, thing. A one thing. A one thing. An assignment. Assignment. It can be Frogtown. Well, that's a given. But another one uh, that's a uh, it's kind of obscure. If you haven't seen it, I recommend the one we we're talking about earlier. Your Hunter from the Future, starring. The original Captain America, Reb Brown. Oh Brown. my, okay. With the rubber ears, right? With the, yeah, he, he was that. No. Is that The TV movie with a motorcycle helmet. Okay. Yes. That was him. Okay. And he did the a, he Salinger did, had the rubber ears. He did a, okay. this really bizarre rear uh, mashup of sci-fi and cavemen called Your Hunter from the Future, which uh, you can get from Alpha Amazon through the uh, Warner Archive uh, thing they do. Uh-huh. It's a it's a interesting film. It's one of those, uh, many films that came out uh, during the Cessna Conan. It's a Conan knockoff. He okay. had it. He had A Tour to Fighting Eagle, yes. which is another interesting film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yours interesting because it's a, it's a, I mean, they, it's just so cheesy <laughs> with the sci-fi and the prehistoric and then just weirdness and the fact that it's actually an edited down from a four-hour made-for-TV Italian miniseries to boot. Wow. Which you own. I spent a decade tracking down the original miniseries so I could say I watched it, and it was horrible. Thank God they edited it down into a movie. I see why they did that. That's a deep cut. Yeah. So here's my one thing. Awesome. Great. That's awesome. We gotta get everybody. Yeah, that was just one good. thing. Yeah, one thing. Yeah. I want stick with two. the theme. I, nope. I'm one. an idiot. One. <laughs> One's enough. It messes up the theme of the yeah, one thing. That's right. <laughs> All right, Ed. Thank you so much, man. This, no problem. It's been a pleasure.
Have you recorded this whole thing? Oh, I wish I had. That was all cool. <laughs> this, actually, that's what we should be getting. It's, it's bullshit. I'm John, and this is John. We're there. I'm here with Mr. Gary. The infamous Mr. Gary. Can we say your last name? Yeah. Introduce yourself. Hi, Gary Dowell. Uh, editor of Farfetch Fables. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> You're a Texan, right? Yep. <laughs> But this is your first Howard Days. This is the first time you've made it Shamefully, this is the first time I've made it out. I've been wanting to come out to this for a good 12 years or so, ever since I found out about it. And circumstances always seem to conspire against me. Either uh, something would pop up that would conflict that I had to do, or I'd make plans with friends and they'd drop out. And I'd be like, I'm not going to go by myself. I don't even know anybody down there. Or I would just be like, uh, you know. Are we I, your friends at this year's? Yes, because the friends here are supposed to come with me. One uh, dropped out when the Barbarian Fest aspect of the uh, Howard Days was canceled. Because oh, he's yeah. been here before and has seen the house and everything. He's like, I don't want to funnel cake. Exactly. And, uh, and then my uh, other friend uh, got stuck in Alabama. <laughs> is Howard Days a well-known Texas thing? Or is it still kind of... Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's well-known Howard fans in Texas, of course, but I'm not sure how far beyond that. How did, could, could we ask you, how did you find out about our podcast? Uh, if I remember correctly, I think I just, because I'm a, I'm a, you know, being a pulp fan and everything, I started listening to the H.P. Uh, Lovecraft literary podcast, and then um, I kept like, kind of looking around, you know, for uh, a fan of Lovecraft, and you know, that whole circle, like Clark Ashton Smith and Howard and everything. And, uh, and I would just kind of look around, like, is anybody doing anything like this for, for Howard, for Clark Ashton Smith? And somebody started doing one for Ashton Smith, and in case I do a search, I was actually thinking about doing one, doing a Robbie Howard podcast. I, was, like, I don't know how to get, you know, looking at, like, you know, getting started and finding out how to do it with all sorts of kind of stuff. I'm like, is there anybody doing one yet? And I was sitting around doing the podcast, I kind of looked to see if anybody was doing one yet, and sure enough, found you guys like right around the time the first or second episode came out okay I was like son of a bitch they beat me to it but <laughs> they're probably a lot better than anything I could have done I, I doubt that seriously uh, those early episodes there's there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of rough edges yeah. uh, having got eventually gotten into podcasting um, I can tell you that's that's par for the course okay you know, there's that learning curve and it, she is steep that is true. <laughs> so it's a lot of getting your ducks in a row and getting your formula down and you know and how to talk yeah how to talk how to how to translate your notes into conversation pieces it's tough um, so speaking of your podcast that you're involved with you mentioned it earlier that you're a podcast editor at far-fetched fables right. tell us about that uh, it's part of the District of Wonders network of podcasts, which includes Starship Sofa, which is a science fiction themed podcast that's been around for about a decade now. And Tony C. Smith, who is the co-founder of that, um, he spun off a, a horror-themed one called Tales to Terrify. And there was also there were also two others, one that was crime themed, crime fiction called uh, Crime City Central, and a pulp team that went called Protecting Project Pulp, which was um, basically pulp stories in the, in the um, public domain that they were adapting, doing reads of. And he decided to spin the... Um, th those two are no longer around. Yeah, I remember when Protecting Project Pulp went, uh, went away. 
Yeah, there were briefly, uh, there was a period when District of Wonders had five, five podcasts going at once. And he decided to spin the, uh, the fantasy portion of Starship Sofa off and do its own podcast. And I listen to a, a ton of podcasts at work, that's why I tune out, you know, background noise and focus on, uh, all the writing and stuff that I have to get done. So I was a regular ris- listener of, uh, all the, the District of Wonders podcasts, and I was listening around the time that he put out a call for an assistant editor. They were, uh, doing startup, they were starting up Farfetch Fables, and, uh, I, I was like, cool, I've been, been wanting to get a podcast, I was like, cool, my chance to do so. But they probably want someone with experience, so I'll uh, be wasting my time. And uh, so I didn't bother to contact them. Two weeks later, they're like, we still need an assistant editor. <laughs> and I thought about it for like another week, and I was like, uh, I should just go ahead and do it. They probably already found somebody, I should just go ahead and do it. And sure enough, they were still looking for someone, and they said, okay, um, you know, he, Tony was like, okay, Gary, meet Nicola, she's the host and editor. Here's access to all of our spreadsheets on uh, contacting narrators and the stories that they, the authors they've contacted for stories so far. We need you to start contacting authors for stories. Here's, you know, <laughs> it just kind of threw me in the deep end. And uh, I just kind of make it up as you go along, learn from experience kind of thing. And the first couple, it took two weeks before I finally got an author to say yes. It was very discouraging at first, and then they eventually kind of started to come in. Uh, it got easier yeah. as it went on, and as we finally got episodes up and running, and you've got episodes in a body of work to show, it's easy to say, well, here's examples of what we do. Tens of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're up to roughly a thousand now. That's Actually, awesome, I'm not man. sure. Uh, after that. I need to look at the numbers and see what they're like. But it helped a lot being able to say we're, we were part of um, this network that includes Starship, so because it's been around a while and had a built-in audience. And, a lot of authors who uh, been on Farfetch Tables, they had, I knew they had been on Starship Sofa, so I was contacted and say, "We'd uh, like you to you know, run one of your stories." You know, you know who we are. You know, you know, really good production qualities. So having having that to tap into helped a lot. Somebody else's reputation to coast on. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you guys are up to how many episodes? Uh, let's see. This past week was episode 110. 110? Wow. And that's not including um, the sneak peek episode that aired on a... We kind of... We, Tony did a thing where he let us... Uh, an episode of Starship Sofa was actually a sneak peek episode of Farfetch Fables. We've done a couple of limited edition episodes um, featuring... Uh, Joe Lansdale stories. Awesome. Uh, he lets us run stories on a, a three for about three months and take them down. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a working writer. He doesn't give it up for free very often. Mm-hmm. So that was the deal. We're just happy to have his work. So we're yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, a, a big name, definitely. Um, so where can people find and subscribe to Farfetch Fables? Farfetchfables.com. Okay, that's, that's easy enough. Uh, Gary, you've been a, a long-time listener and supporter. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, for meeting up with us, putting up with us here at Howard Days. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. I've got so, hundreds of people that I've corresponded with while working on Farfetch Fables and stuff, authors and narrators. And I've you know, talked with you guys via email and Facebook for the past couple of years. This is, I rarely get a chance to meet anybody in person, so I'm just really happy you guys are actually come out to this. Yeah. Makes the pilgrimage. That's the main reason why I went ahead and 
uh, came down this year for sure when I thought you guys are going to be here. It's really nice to uh, be able to talk to you guys in person. Yeah, for once. It's, it's been great. Well, Luke's uh, not real, so you've actually. Yeah, I've been mean to ask why Luke. Uh, he's he's uh, actually a, a whatever you want to hear. <laughs> it's, it's like a demon. Or he's entirely <laughs> computer sure. generated. He's, he doesn't he, actually exist. He's a we gin. him with a name or like with a word. Uh huh. <laughs> and then, and then there he is. Gary, thank you so much. My pleasure. Man, that was cool. So thank you guys very much, Evil Ed and listener Gary. Uh, glad that uh, that you guys were able to meet up with with Josh and John. I really, really miss. Uh, I, I feel bad that I missed that opportunity. I got to tell you, man. Everybody asked where you were. Man, I. <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely clear. I gotta I gotta go. Uh, told, you're not allowed in Texas. We made up a story about. It. <laughs> well, we told some people that, and we told other people that there is no Luke. You only hear what you want to hear. <laughs> 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 I am the cynical crotchety like id or something that's floating around. Yep. So you guys were able to uh, to talk to some other first timers, right? Yeah, we talked to a few folks who are working on their own projects, uh, and the first of which uh, who you'll hear coming up is Kurt Amaker, the owner and publisher at Dark Notes Press. Uh, Kurt is, in addition to being a publisher, he's a comic book writer uh, based out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Kurt's working on some really cool comic stuff. He told John and I that uh, he had some words of wisdom uh, right from the mouth of Alan Moore, which is pretty cool. Um, that was pretty awesome to hear. Yeah. I wanted to know if he touched his beard, but I didn't have the courage to ask. Didn't we ask him about the the snake god that Alan Moore worships? I, we did talk a little bit about that, yes, briefly. That lives in his beard. <laughs> yes, it lives in his beard. Then we have Rob King. And Rob is uh, at the Southwest Special Collections Library at Texas Tech. John, what's Rob doing there? Uh, he's taking the Cross Plains Review, the newspaper that was in town, and he's digitizing it so that we can keep it for future generations to read. And he's made special note occasionally of reading something of Howard's life or Howard's writing and cool things that happened during his time in Cross Plains. And special note, Rob was our first interview down there. That's cool, man. That's, That's that sounds like an awesome but uh, Herculean undertaking to to be scanning that much material. Well, they're scanning yeah. them and they're making them searchable. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. So you can control F and and type Howard and maybe find some things. I don't know. Awesome. A mighty thank you for that resource. And then finally, we have Jeb Boyd, who's working on the Modiphius Conan game. He's he's writing a couple of supplements. He couldn't tell us very much about them, so they're top secret. But uh, Jeb also, it was his first time there at Howard Days, and he was running uh, a game of Conan that Evil Ed played in. Uh, John and I were were getting interviews and running around, shoving microphones in front of people, asking them. And beer in our mouth. And, yeah, swilling beer. <laughs> uh, so we didn't get a chance to play, but uh, everybody who was playing looked like they were having a blast. Cool. Well, let's get to those so, interviews. Yeah, let's line them up.
I'm John. And we are here on the front porch of the Howard House at Howard Days 2016 with Kurt Amaker. Uh, Kurt, this is your first Howard Days. It is, in fact. Um, and you, sir, are a comic book author? Publisher, Publisher, author, public speaker, uh, now novelist. My first novel came out last year. Uh, unaccredited lecturer sometimes. I uh, you know, give panels and talks at cons and everything from uh, folkloric history to literature to you name it. But it all just comes from the library and the bookstore. You know, I, uh, I stopped, at, stopped, at my, stopped at my bachelor's and I didn't go on farther than that. So uh, unaccredited public speaker, if you like. Okay. <laughs> And you're also the owner and publisher at Dark Notes Press. Yeah, Dark Notes Press is my comic company, and uh, I started it because I got a contract to work on the comic book for the metal band uh, Cradle of Filth, and I wrote it, published it, uh, we hired Monty Bohr to do art, uh, Danny Filth and I actually came up with the plot, but I wrote the script, and uh, you know, we looked at the numbers, and I told Dan, I said, we can uh, take this to IDW or Dark Horse, we'll get three or four bucks a copy, or I'll run down to City Hall, form a company, and then we can just split the money. So. <laughs> Good call. Nice. Yeah, well, if you can do something, do it yourself. It's always best, you know. I feel like that's good advice. Very, or Howardian. Yeah, I know. If our, if our man, uh, if our man, Robert E. Howard taught us anything, it's that sometimes just sitting down and doing it yourself is, uh, gets the best results. So, what are your impressions of Howard Days so far? It's hot. It is so hot. <laughs> it is damn hot. I, uh, I, uh, you know, New Orleans is hot, but it's a different kind. But, uh, you know, I love visiting small towns like this because it's so different and it's so interesting because uh, as we were just talking about uh, on the pavilion, you know, weird fiction and pulp fiction is kind of digging deep for a lot of people. I mean, I know it's all it's it's all second nature. We could talk about that stuff for hours, but for a lot of people, even the residents of this town, we learn it's really it's an obscure niche of a niche of a niche within pop culture. So it's so great to meet people around here that know some of these authors' names and know, you know, about the relationship between Lovecraft and Howard and their lineage going back to Poe and some of these other American, you know, short story authors and stuff like that. And it's great. I mean, I feel like I'm amongst my people, you know. Yeah, it's been very welcoming, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been. And, uh, you know, everyone's got a beard here of one sort or another. I mean, mine is, mine is not nearly as impressive as some of the other ones I've seen, but still, you know. I saw a kilt earlier, I did. I saw, and and, he, and he, he had a mighty beard. Yeah, it's, it's formidable. Um, so I, I assume that you took the, the tour of the house? We did. We saw the house, and uh, it was, I'd like to say it was chilling. You know, I don't, I don't believe in ghosts. I do get weird feelings in uh, old places. I was visiting Elizabeth Bathory's castle last fall, and that was creepy as hell. But I don't get that when I'm in this place. It's a celebration of Howard's life and not so much a memorial to his death and I like that because I didn't leave here feeling, feeling sad or downtrodden or I mean if I want to dwell on the tragedy you know you can go to the gravesite and uh, visit Brownstone or Brownsville which uh, Brownsville yeah. yeah there's a three brown there's three towns <laughs> the name Brown uh, you know but this house to me it just crackles with life and energy what they've done it's a celebration of his life and of his work and it's not about his death there's not even that spot wherever he did the deed is not even marked here that that to me was so great because I came here expecting that I was going to go back to my, you know, back to my room and feel a little down for a couple of hours and have to, you know, have a long think about that. And I didn't. I just made me want to come away so much more, you know, to go create and then to dwell upon how great he was and feeling so much more inspired and impressed than I thought I was going to be. That's really cool. That's really cool to hear. What brought you into Howard Fandom? I started reading the Conan the Barbarian stories from the Lancer Ace paperbacks when I was a kid. Uh, 
and it was because my uncle got me into the Arnold movie, which I still love. I know a lot of Howard enthusiasts are down on it. Oh, we love it. (laughs) Yeah, to me, it's just, you know, it's two two lanes in the same highway. Uh, One cannot exist without the other. Half the people would know about Conan were it not for that Arnold movie and the Marvel comics. And so I just started off with those stories and with the movie, and uh, then I just started digging deeper when the original Howard story started coming out later, uh, when I was an adult, I was, uh, as I told you before, I was uh, with a long-term knee injury in the Marine Corps, and that was one of the books like, I was reading a lot, but I got that first Del Rey collection and started reading that because, you know, it's best moments. It's just like going to the movies. I didn't need to leave my barracks room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about feeling energized with creative energy after coming here. What are some things that you're going to unleash that upon I have a long-term project I'm working on. Uh, my very first miniseries was called Dead Souls, and I got really good press from Danny Filth from Cradle, as I mentioned, and Alan Moore from Watchmen and V for Vendetta. Uh, was one of my early public voice, public supporters. He came out for me and gave me a cover quote. Uh, I knew him through uh, co- press contacts when I was doing comics journalism. We're still friends. Great guy. Uh, not not to like. I, I don't like all my credentials to be like who I know, but just yeah. to say like he came out as an early like booster that got me that you know the Steve is like uh, Evil Dead Stephen King you know he he uh, cleared a lot of the uh, the foliage out of the way for those guys to head forward. But what I'm doing is uh, taking Dead Souls and I had another artist redraw it completely. Uh, we're putting it together as a full graphic novel instead of three comics, and the story is longer. Uh, it's more fleshed out. The art's been completely redone. I wasn't happy with the original artwork. And uh, the script's been given a couple of layers of polish. Basically, I'm pulling a George Lucas on my own work. So. Oh, cool. That, that is totally fine, yeah. yeah. It's my book. I'll do what I want with it. Right. Damn right. But we got a cover by uh, Dan Brereton from uh, Nocturnals. Uh, Brereton. It's not Brereton. It's Brereton from uh, the uh, Nocturnals comic, Gun Witch, and things like that. He's done a lot of work for Marvel and DC. I had him do a spectacular cover. And we're going to have some other extras and uh, documentary features and maybe a, maybe a CD of some like, ambient music to go with it. But that I've been working on for intermittently for years and I think I'm going to have it wrapped up by the fall. But, oh, that's wonderful. You know, that's 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 modern pulp more than anything else that takes place in the year 2000. So It sounds great. I appreciate it. So, Kurt, where can the people find you and uh, take a look at the projects that you're working on? Uh, www.kurtamaker.com and www.darknotespress.com uh, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, personal page is just my name, Kurt Amaker. Uh, and the fan page is Kurt Amaker Comics. Uh, initially, I wanted to keep separate but all the cradle of filth fans started just adding me personally and uh i didn't want to have to have that mess that conversation with everybody to shift them over mm-hmm. so i just said screw it so that's why my uh that's why my personal page is pretty dry it's all just i love all of you buy my books you know <laughs> right well you you served our country you've been very creative uh you've been awesome to talk to you while we've been down here thank yeah. you so much for joining hey, us hey thank you man it's an honor i'm such a big fan of the Chromecast. i love what you guys do so you know I, you know, I should be thanking you. Oh, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Indeed. This is Josh. I'm John. And we're here at Robert E. Howard Days on the front porch of the Howard House with Rob King. Hey, Rob. 
Hey, how are you doing? And Rob, you're with Texas Tech. Texas Tech University with the uh, Southwest Collections Special Collections Library, and which is a mouthful. Tell us what you're doing down there. Yeah, what we are working on, and I want to say we started on around 2011, so this has been a slow process. We've increased our workload, is we are digitizing the original issues of the Cross Plains Review, which is now a historical marker in town. They're the oldest business in town. They did a tour yesterday. Awesome. Yeah. So... Uh, we brought back some of the original issues and uh, for the newspaper to exhibit. That's awesome. And and so this collection you're working on, uh, you're making it available freely online. Anyone can go to the website, check it out, and it's fully searchable, you said? That's correct, yeah. We've done OCR, so the optical character recognition on all of the PDFs. They're, we take original high-resolution TIFFs, and then we kind of compress those into JPEGs. We put the TIFFs in the background on servers so that for future preservation. And then these, these issues that we make available online, you can download those. We do ask, I mean, for accreditation, there's a little write statement, and it tells you how to contact us if you were to use the images. And uh, let's say if they were out of public domain. Right. Right, anything before 1923. Come on. And, uh, but yeah, they're available for the public. They are keyword searchable. Uh, oftentimes, there, there are certain strategies you can try using your brackets and your Boolean searches. But um, please do. Yeah, that's all available online. Um, we have all of the lifetime of Howard issues available to us online. Wow, that's incredible. What's been the coolest thing that you've found since you've been working on this project? Wow, uh, I wish I could say that it was the coolest thing to me, or I'm going to have to say it's the oh, coolest yeah. thing to me because everyone here at the pavilion has already found this stuff long before me. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, I, I thought that after he had passed on, I mean, it was, those are uh, tough articles to read, you mm -hmm. know, at the, the baffling of those years. But I believe it is the July 10th issue where there was a lady from the community that talked about her memories of him as a kid playing with his dog Scraps. And uh, I read that in one of the books that I bought here in the gift shop last night, so that's available elsewhere. But uh, to me, that was a fascinating little story to see the community talk about their memories of yeah, Howard. Definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this line of work? How, what brought me to the Southwest Collection? Yeah, yeah. Or to Howard? No, to the Southwest Collection. And, and, and to Howard. Yeah, yeah. and to Howard. You can answer oh, yeah. those in any order. Okay, uh, let's see. Quick order. Uh, 12 years of book retail, uh, starting in Abilene, Texas, which is very close, about 30 miles. Okay. And then grandparents owned a grocery store in Brownwood for over 50 years. Okay. So this was kind of right between my area of growing up. Um, so I had an interest in the area. The uh, I guess after book retail, I did the creative writing major, so Feld writer, common, <laughs> and, uh, or continuing, continuing Feld yeah, I, I always strive, I don't quit. <laughs> and, uh, so I went on from that, uh, taught high school English for a couple of years, and so after a while, it said, okay, I've done the book retail, high school teaching is not for me, so librarianship seemed to mean a lot. The fact that I stumbled into the Southwest Collection position, I think was just fortunate for me. Once I realized that we had the Cross Plains material, I said, there's something in there that I'm interested in. And I get the uh, rolling of the eyes and the yawns. And, uh, but uh, they've let me take control and go for it, and we're going to try and build upon that collection. We've started a manuscript collection now for the past three years that I've come to the Howard days. And we're going to talk to the guys about getting previous years, anything that still exists, publications. Oh, that's fantastic. 
Oh, and we asked about Howard. You, you know, uh, that's the interesting thing. I think my access point was the Marvel comic books as yep. a kid. Yeah. And probably at that time, I didn't recollect many of the stories. I just looked for the action and the right. art. <laughs> and, and then uh, when the whole wide world, which we're celebrating the 30th year anniversary, I watched that film, and then I thought, well, that's just down the road. I had no idea that he had come from this area. Wow. So at that point, probably at about the age of 16, somewhere in 96, that I came out here by myself and looked at the house and just walked around. It wasn't open on that day. Uh -huh. And so that was my in, my access point to Howard. Very and cool. then working with this, of course, it's kind of brought it all back. and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's all come full circle, and it puts it into context. I bet in, in a way that a lot of folks who are maybe not as familiar with the area or familiar with cross planes uh, might might not have you know that that type of uh, insight. Yeah, and again, it's all about that the, the kind of accessibility to it. Uh, the fact that I had family from the region, it's easy to come back. Yeah. To the area, but Cross Plains is kind of out of the way for a lot of fans. So many people traveling, and yeah. then. Uh, but the good point about the digitization, to get back to the deal, is now all these scholars that are in Paris, Japan. I heard someone was from Japan. Uh, can access these in their classrooms and from their homes yep. and so every bit that I'm able to digitize and add to that digital collection and hopefully try to keep it in one place centralize it then people can access that at the one spot that's fantastic Rob John do you have any other questions no I think we'll definitely include a link in the show notes to Rob's definitely. site yeah. so hopefully. that people can go check out those primary documents and learn more about Howard's Times uh -huh. and the newspaper and everything and I think this is really awesome keep up the good work man thank yeah. you so much Thanks I appreciate your time yep yeah, thank you Josh, John, and we're here uh, still at uh, Robert E. Howard Days 2016. Uh, we've talked to a number of people, and now we have Jeb Boyt. Hey, Jeb. Hi, how y'all? A fellow Howard fan. Absolutely. What a got Southerner. You? Southern Texan. Yes. Texan. Yes. So. so what got you into Robert E. Howard? You know, that question came up earlier today. They were asking, I was trying to remember. I can't remember whether I saw the comics or the, the Savage Sword of Conan, or the Lan or the Lancers, you know, the books. But, you know, as a science fiction fan, I think I was a science fiction fan first. So, like, you know, I, I remember go going to the bookstores and you would see, like, the, the rows of books. And Conan was early on one of the things, like, okay, I'm going to, like, work my way through that. I already read Tolkien and, uh, and some other stuff. So and I can't remember whether it was, like, the uh, Drums of Tumbalku story in Savage Sword of Conan, or the Lancers I picked up first, because it was pretty close in time. Either way, and I started working my way through, and you know, the first bite, that first, that first sample, you know, even uh, you know, I can cl clearly remember the drums of Tombalco, just like the, that first encounter in the desert, uh, the way it was drawn, the way it played out, the characters, you're just hooked. And here I still am. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so how many? have you been to Howard Days? First time. This is the first time. I know. It, it's really crazy. I live three hours away, and I, but here I am, first time. Finally made, finally made up here. Really glad to be here, and a uh, great bunch of people. What are your impressions so far? What's what's And in addition to that, what's the coolest thing that you've done or seen today? Oh, uh, the boxing seminar last night, okay, on, last the, night. on the foundation of the Ice House where Howard boxed. Yeah. Was at, it was... Uh, 
it was a great distinctive setting where with a turning on the car headlights so people could like see everybody everybody there the plus scene. it was a great well yeah that I means you know it's just a cement foundation here and you know people turn on the car headlights and um, we saw, you know, uh, three folks talking and describing, talking about Howard's boxing stories, mm -hmm. and just sort of a general uh, introduction to those. And uh, you know, those are some great stories. I don't, you know, I've read some of them, but not not all of them. But they're, they're very different. I'm a big fan of pulp uh, and pulp adventures uh, in general. And so, you know, those are you know right in there. And um, it was just a great discussion. In discussion, you know, both in terms of like. You know, boxing, what it was like in the 20s and 30s, yeah. the, you know, the important cultural stance it had. You know, Howard, I mean, Howard was a boxer. He, he, he went, he fought, and then how he, you know, he took what he learned in the, in, you know, in, you know, the boxing. You know, I'm not sure he ever says officially something as official as a true ring, but what he took learning boxing and he brought into his stories. So, uh, it was a great, it was a great panel, and don't you think, very memorable. So, don't you think it would have been enhanced with an actual boxing match, like like Shakes uh, v Finn? Uh, yeah, Finn v Gruber. <laughs> oh, Finn yeah. v Gruber. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I, yeah. I was kind of hoping, you know, yeah. I was kind of hoping something was. going to They throw come on out. the trunks and the gloves. So, who wins that fight? Our bare knuckle. Oh, we, I don't we know. have we have from Chris Gruber who he thinks would win. Who do you think? Would win? I, I can't take sides in that. Fight, okay, good, you know? good call. I, I can't take sides. Good call. We so, the audience would we, be the winner. We the audience. There you go. That is absolutely how absolutely. Absolutely, that would be the way it would work. I write for yes. Trump. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jeb, you're a writer. Yes, yes, yes. I'm working on the. Uh, um, I've been a game writer for a while, working uh, currently on the Conan role playing game. Um, I've also worked uh, on the Blue Rose Rose role playing game, and uh, you know, done pulp work for uh, Thrilling Tales, uh, Savage World System, and uh, a number of other things. So. Can, can you talk about the? Uh, any of the upcoming Modiphius Conan projects that you're involved with? Yeah, uh, well, I cannot specifically, but certainly very excited about that and uh, getting ready to run a game here just shortly. Really? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is and, it a uh, pickup game or, or are yeah. the slots full? Uh, I, it, that is to be determined. Okay. So we'll have a boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there you go. The. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I'm working on the the role playing game. I'm working on source books. I haven't worked on the core game uh, itself. Uh, you know that is moving through. People have now seen uh, as of today the June 11th uh, chapters two and three, which include the uh, the character generation information. Okay. Uh, so um, get some good responses from folks. That's exciting uh, about that. And certainly, you know, I'm working on supplements uh, coming out, and uh, we're you know the supplements are all going to be sort of focused on both. Parts of the world and aspects of Howard of uh, Conan's life uh, as he was uh, as he was doing that. So uh, you know, get a you know a couple of countries, and then you know you know if he was the mercenary or a pirate or a thief or whatever in those areas, you get you know some special rules about that about about what Conan was doing, and then um, you know people to fight, uh, special places to explore, things cool. like that. So. Do you get more excited and amped up about writing about the setting? Or writing the crunchy bits, the rules. Of, I'm, and, and uh, you know, it tra it trades off. I, you know, these aren't my rules, so I'm not so quite. Right. You know, it's it's fun to write the rules, and uh, uh, and sometimes it's nice because it gives you. It's an, it can be easy word count, uh, and that part <laughs> that part can be exciting when you're deep into the project and uh, and going this. But mostly it's the setting. I mean, it's the setting uh, for Howard and uh, and for most things really. It's where you know a lot of my real interest lies, cool. uh, and looking to uh, uh, to describe that. Um, and particularly some of the other uh, stuff I do, you know, personally, uh, I don't like. 
I don't like to do uh, your games for too much. We're adding on too many fiddly bits because you know you, we've seen with a lot of, a lot of past cases you can add on so much that you sort of like get lost because there's so many pieces out there. But uh, you know I think we've got a good balance here in the Conan game that's going to really focus on the fun. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, people people should be enjoying it. Hopefully in a few months. Yeah. yeah. Are you playing or running any games of your own right now? Uh, I'm playing in a Pathfinder game. Oh, <laughs> Speaking the other way around. Uh, and then nominally in a Mutants and Masterminds game. Okay. We haven't met for a while. Uh, that's been that's actually kind of fun. It's, sort of a, Le- it's a Legion of Superheroes Mutants and Ma- Masterminds game. Cool. And the uh, you know, Game Master's a big Legion fan. He's doing a great job with that. Um, and I'm nominally running a 13th Age game. Um, and also, wow, and also another game that I'm... Oh, and I, I, I have a pulp, uh, a Savage World pulp game that was a lot of fun with the player characters based out of New Orleans. Uh, but I think that's probably done at this point. So, okay. Yeah. You'll have to tell me about all this later, Josh. Oh, you'll like Mutants and Masterminds. Oh, yeah. I, it's I'm very new. They just got me into Dungeons and Dragons like a couple of months ago. We're, ah, we're, we're very cool. This is this is third edition D and D for superheroes. These Mutants okay. and Masterminds. We're playing original Dungeons and Dragons. And, oh. And the third member of the Chromecast, Luke, is running us through the Keep on the Borderlands. Perfect. And and we have had our asses handed to us by groups of kobolds, which is just demoralizing. Just demoralizing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and we're actually recording those and putting them online on our podcast feed. We call it Bourbon and Barbarians. Uh, oh, awesome. So we're doing a, a real play uh, sort of thing and, and documenting our campaign. I have a buddy who does uh, runs a campaign he calls uh, Dungeons and Drinking. Uh, or actually, it's Dungeons and Dragons and Drinking. It's a 3D, 3D game, game. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he apparently has great fun with this. He's not recording it other than when you know, your odd social media post. It doesn't really show up. Awesome. Uh, and go in that way. So, uh, but yeah, but speaking of social media, certainly if folks haven't discovered already, there's a really active uh, Google Plus community uh, for the Conan role playing game. Um, certainly, I've got an account there too, and you can, um, you know, I love, always love to get circle more uh, gamers in uh, and talk to people that way. Uh, and then I'm, uh, yeah. Can you get to that through uh, from Modifius's website? You know, I don't know. I haven't looked at their website. <laughs> uh, so we'll post so, a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Go, go to Google Plus Communities Conan okay. RPG should come right up, and people so, can find it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah and like I said, it gets. I've been getting notifications all day about people posting stuff too. Great. So, yeah, awesome. So. Check that out and. Hold your pants for yeah. the, the books to come out. Slow your roll. Yeah, we, can't, yeah. we can't tell you what they are, so just... <laughs> well, I mean, you know the books that are coming out that were you know, announced through the Kickstarter, and mm-hmm. uh, we got our handful, yeah. you know, getting those out, but we're having a lot of fun putting it together. We've got a, a really great uh, group of folks uh, that are working on that, and uh, should be a lot of fun. Oh, cool. it's, yeah, it's very exciting. Well, Jeb, thank you very much. It was great meeting you guys. Great Absolutely. Great to meet you too, sir. Face, and hopefully get to do some gaming, too. So. Oh, that'd be great. All yeah. right. Take care. Thanks. celebration first of all because it was the 30th anniversary of the pilgrimages to cross plains texas to visit robert e howard's 
formerly dilapidated house and all of the project pride mementos and stuff that have coming out of that. And then it was also, we did, we found it was the 80th birthday of his death, right? That's right. Yeah. It had been 80 years since Howard uh, committed suicide uh, just behind the house where we were standing and, for a lot of these interviews. Yeah. And in 20 years since the whole wide world, there was, there was, there was lots of things in Howard's life that seemingly end in the number six. Yep. And we were celebrating those at Howard Days this year. Big years that end in the the number six. Uh, up next, you're going to hear from Rusty Burke and Bill Indy Cavalier, who were two of the uh, first few people to come down to the the first REH Day. Um, and so they've been part of this for a really long time. And they had some great stories to share. Um in that interview, we're sitting on Howard's front porch. You're going to hear some crickets in the background. It's after dark. Um, we're sitting sort of in the gloom talking about uh, and reminiscing about this first Howard day. And uh, Howard's house is next to the highway. So there's some highway noise. Uh, I've done my best to filter as much of that as I can out. But uh, there are some instances of uh, big trucks driving through and, and you're going to hear that. But the audio otherwise is, is pretty clear. So uh, we hope you enjoy that. You're also going to hear from Arlene Stevenson uh, from Project Pride. She's going to give us a, a rundown, an overview of what Project Pride is, what it does. Uh, they are the people who are the boots on the ground there in Cross Plains, keeping up with the house, making sure everything is, is set for Howard Days, organizing the catering and the barbecue. People, I can't stress to you enough how important Project Pride is and how important that barbecue is. That barbecue is delicious. Um, <laughs> But also just how much work these folks do and how uh, what a, a large sense of pride they have in their community and in Howard. Um, so if you have ever enjoyed a Howard story, please send Arlene a dollar um, if you can spare it. And that'll go right toward preserving uh, the Robert E. Howard house. And John, you mentioned the whole wide world. Mm -hmm. Well, we have uh, an interview with the uh, screenwriter from that film. Michael Scott Myers. He was the guest of honor this year at our REH Days. And he gave a couple of speeches about the movie and the filming process and his involvement with, uh, with Novel and Price and meeting her and being a student of hers and getting interested in telling her story on screen. And I thought that was all really interesting. We talked a lot about Novel in, in season two. And some of the effects that she had on Howard's life over the last couple of seasons. So it was cool to meet somebody that met her. And that means that we are, what, three degrees of separation from Robert E. Howard? Yeah. Howard to Novelin to Michael Scott Myers. Yeah. Which is pretty neat. And we'll also hear from uh, Ben Freeberg. And Ben is the videographer at Robert E. Howard Days. So if you've ever been on YouTube looking for Howard Days videos... And you, you see these really nicely shot videos of the panels there. Those were shot by Ben. And he has been working on these for, for quite some time. Uh, it, it really does seem like he spends a tremendous amount of time in, in post-production, getting those videos yeah. uh, uploaded and out there for the world to see. So that's, that's pretty special. He's a videographer by trade, and he see, I thought it was really cool to talk to him because he seems to have a pretty noble purpose that he knows nobody, not everybody's going to make it to Howard Days. And so putting it on YouTube lets everybody that wants to see it get a chance to do so. Yeah, and I, I believe he could easily charge money 
to, to yeah. view those <laughs> videos and they're free. So even if you can't make it down there, there's years of Howard Day's panels available online uh, that you can watch. And that's all thanks to Ben. So Ben, if you're listening, thanks a lot, man. And we'll get those interviews rolling. Uh, I had driven down from Indiana, from northwest Indiana, Rolling Prairie, Indiana, and uh, uh, I'd never met any of these guys before. Only knew them through the mail. And, but what Rusty proposed was just so cool. You know, I thought, you know, how can I pass this up? And I'd been a Robert E. Howard fan at that time. <clears throat> I'd been a Howard fan for 20 years. You know, Lancer Conan the Adventurer was, that was my start. And uh, and I got involved with Kahoota, and, and Rusty said, well, we're going to get together and cross planes. I thought, oh, man, that's that sounds pretty cool. So I uh, drove down and uh, met up with Rusty and, and uh, some of the other uh, adventurers who had come down. We were, uh, several of us, several people came to Houston, and I picked them up at the airport, or the Swiss guys stayed with me, and I got a van, and we drove then to Dallas to meet up with the other guys, the ones, Bill and, and Mark Combs coming over from Louisiana, so that's why I said we met there in Dallas, too. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, we're, sta- we're at a motel near Dallas, Duncanville, I think was where yeah, the hotel was, right, near yeah. Bill Fullwaller's house. And uh, he walked in, He walked into the room, found out which room we were in, and knocked on the door, and walks into the room, and within five minutes, he and Vern Clark are swapping insults with each other, and I'm like, yeah, was, <laughs> he's, he's one of us. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those deals where... Where you know you, you test somebody, you know you give them a little test, you, and you test them by giving them a little zinger, and see how they respond. And if if they zing you back or they they respond to it in a in a certain way, well you know that you know this guy's okay. He, we're going to be friends with him, and <laughs> and uh, so it started out with Vern, and then uh, and then Rusty came down, and you know and he started in, and you know well. Hey, I had to defend myself somehow, and, yeah. and uh, so uh, and uh, you know it was it was like it, it was like a, a ten minute thing. It wasn't really long, but it was just you know like you know just zing you and zing me back and you know, oh, okay, how you doing, pal? You know yeah, we're, we're, we'll be friends forever now. You know, old buddies right away. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Well, you know sometimes when. Uh, when, when like-minded people get together, you know, you've got that common bond right at the get-go. And then, you know, you do a little testing and see, you know, where where is he at as far as what he thinks about this or, you know, can, can he put up with my insults? 
is he smart enough to keep up with me or am I smart enough to keep up with him? And, uh, and that, that's pretty much what it was. So how long had Rahupa been around at this point when you were planning to come across the uh, Rahupa was actually created in uh, 1972 Two. by Tim Marion. And, uh, I joined in 1980 and then Bill joined in 85. Yeah, 85. Just bef- just about the time that I was suge- proposing a memorial gathering in Cross Plains. So, yeah, we've both been in the APA for a while, but we weren't any... Uh, Steve Trout, who is also... He's not here right now, but uh, he's here this weekend, was... Uh, I think he was a member from, like, Mailing 20 or something, so uh, several years longer than I have been. So what, is that, what did it mean to join Rahupa back then? What did one have to do? Uh, was there a blood pact involved? No. <laughs> it's an amateur press association, so you just have to uh, create the minimum activity for it is, two, is still two pages every other month, uh, or actually every other mailing. So it's essentially the minimum activity required is two pages every four months. And oh, that's all boring stuff, you know. You just yeah. you make up your own fanzine and you send it in, and guy staples it together, and then he sends it to you. you know? yeah, that's pretty much the requirement. <laughs> cool. You know? Yeah. But yeah. you, but it weeds people out. Who there's a lot of people who over the years have asked, "Can I get a subscription to that?" Yeah. No, yeah. you have to actually participate yeah. in it. Yeah. Uh, that's what amateur press is about. And we still, you know, it's still done the old-fashioned way. We do it on paper and staple it Bill staples it together and yeah, sends it in a all the way baby yeah, Mark we, was describing that to us <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah 36 copies that you lay out that's stay- right yeah I, I, I have a, a little collating rack and I put everything in there and and uh, yeah stable it I have forearms like Popeye because I <laughs> use this manual stapler and uh, and, <laughs> and, and who's your pride yeah I'm sorry. Made with Hoosier pride. With Hoosier pride, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know Hoosier pride. (laughs) So you got one of his most important duties has come to be uh, getting calling me and saying, "Burke, you owe me a zine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Send me money. Send me pages." So you guys were part of Rehupa. You uh, ended up meeting down here. Rusty, you organized the whole thing and masterminded it. Yeah. And uh, you got together and then came to Cross Plains. So tell us a little bit about that first trip to Cross Plains and what it meant to you to come to Howard's hometown and his house. Yeah. Well, for, for me, it was, Rusty had already been here once, but for me, it was it was really magical because, you know, we were here and, and Howard is our literary hero and and uh, it really didn't kick in. You know, we came to the town, and, you know, it's a small town, and, and I was living in a small town, so I, I kind of understood the, the, the mentality or the, you know, just the way people are. Uh, but uh, it, it really started when we came here right to the house, right on the grounds. And uh, we got to walk around. We didn't go in the house, but we got to walk the grounds and, and look all around and take pictures and... The uh, uh, the homeowner at the time he was very generous in letting us walk around, and we chit chatted, and, and there were people from uh, from Cross Plains here, and they were telling us stories and, and, and things like that. 
and it, Mr. Carter was going to let us in the house, but his wife had become very ill, and so he didn't want a whole bunch of strangers traipsing through the house. We had come over. We had come over in the van from uh, the direction of Rising Star, so we came in from the east on 36, and then turned there at the intersection of the south part of town and drove up Main Street, and we pulled up to the library um, at the north end of Main Street, and there's this big banner in the window that says, uh, Robert E. Howard Day, uh, June, June 14th, I think it was, yeah, yeah. and uh, welcome to Rehoopins and yeah. You're like, I was not expecting this. <laughs> All I was expecting was that we were going to get to come, maybe get to come down to the house. Uh-huh. But instead, we found that the Brownwood paper had a big article about the visiting scholars from around the world. <laughs> International scholars. And the library had set up a big display, a nice display of Howard's related stuff in their window. And uh, it was just marvelous the whole weekend. They treated us so fantastically. Yeah. Uh, lionized us almost. So there was buy-in pretty quick from the general population. Pretty quick. It was uh, mainly the friends of the library group. You tried the, to abandon uh, It was mainly the friends of the library group. The uh, I had first met Joan McCowan. Hey, hey everybody, this is my wife Cheryl. Cheryl, say <laughs> Hi hello. Hi there, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. This, this is part of it. <laughs> Cheryl's one of the original Howard Widows. <laughs> not the, for me, not the original Howard Widow, because the original Howard Widow for me divorced me, so. <laughs> that's right. Cheryl at least tolerates uh, me coming here. Even comes with me. So. Comes with you. That's yeah. awesome. I think so. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to that. They're fascinated by our stories. We really are. Yeah. Is oh, I got to get back to uh, the way I felt when I first came here. Uh, when we walked the grounds, I have a story about Vernon Clark. Uh, we we walked the grounds and we walked around to the to the back side of the house, uh, and we were standing about in the spot that we speculated that Howard killed himself, and. Uh, we just, it was just me and Vern, and, and uh, Vern and I, sorry. And, <laughs> and we, uh, uh, we stood at the spot, and we, yeah, Vern and me, yeah. Anyway, thank you. Uh, Merck is on the grammar police, believe me. <laughs> he used to spend entire zines just correcting everybody's grammar. <laughs> You gotta have that one guy, right? Uh, now this is a serious moment here, and I, and I, I don't want any more interruptions. <laughs> no, uh, we we stood on the spot where where Howard was killed, and uh, Vern and I, and we and we just we kind of stood silently, and then Vern just looks over at me and he goes, kind of gets to you, doesn't it? And I went, yeah. And that was it. You know, just uh, there was. Just uh, a, a presence, and it happens every time I go to that spot in the house. It just you know, there's, you know, that's where the magic ended. You know. Yeah, and that's just right back here behind the house. It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back. Uh, you know, there's a. They've put a some blocks and a wooden little rail there, um, and then where people park, mm-hmm. and it was right about there. Where is he? 
he could be seen out the kitchen window. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's that's the spot. Yeah, and uh, it gets uh, I, for, for me it, it gets it gets more significant all the time because now there's more people coming and there's more people you know that really lament the uh, the, the act itself and uh, you know we all speculate you know gee what what would happen if he if he hadn't killed himself but you know we'll never know and so we just have to deal with it you know that. He did kill himself, and he ended it all. And how, how sad that is! You know, how sad it was for for him and his family, and how sad it is for all of us who have come to know him. You know, and you know, just I'm going to break down now. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I, I I tend to dwell more on the creative act, of, and I think for me, the holy of holies is the room. Yeah, and, and absolutely. They've set it up. They, you know, those triple windows that face to the south. Um, that room that's behind it, where the gift shop is, was not there in Howard's time. So Howard's room looked out those windows over the back lot. Um, one of the, the thing that inspired the trip really was when Vern and I had come up the year before on a little tour that I did a zine called "Gents on the Rampage." Um, <laughs> One of the things that had struck me was here's Howard building these incredibly lush, exotic locales for his stories, and this is what he's got to work with. <laughs> you know, the landscape around here is not exactly lush and exotic. Uh, I'm, a, I'm originally from East Tennessee, and so I'm used to really vivid greenery yeah, green. and, and lots of <laughs> lots of under story and, and here it's re relatively flat it's not totally flat it's kind of hilly but uh, low hills and and big expanses of pasture and and when you do see woods it's just mesquite and post oaks and low kind of low trees um, and at the time that Vernon and I had come in October it was brown so I'm like what in the world? <laughs> how, how did this guy manage to create these things? And so I said to Vern, I said, Howard fans should come and see this place to, to appreciate what a staggering imagination he had to have to create what he did with this kind of raw material. Now, since I've been coming over the last 30 years, I've grown to appreciate the landscape around here a lot more. And I was telling him today, there's a that wonderful scene in the whole wide world where Novelin says, "Well, I haven't seen any giant snakes or big busted women out here in the hills of West Africa." And he says, "Oh, but I have." <laughs> I think if you go back in the if you go back into the woods, if you go out into the pastures, you go into the creek beds, you go down to Lake Brownwood, where the into the hills and the park there. And then you say, if I blew this up to be a hundred times bigger, this would be Eldorex Afghanistan, or this would be Conan uh, and people of the Black Circle in the mountains. And you can you can actually start seeing it. But it, again, it's a staggering act of imagination to be able to do that. Um, so I I said, you know, we really ought to get a, a group together to come, you know, fans to come see this. And Clark said. 
you're crazy. Nobody's going to come to the middle of nowhere to see an old white house. But they did. Yeah, when you talk about imagination, did you ever imagine 30 years later we would have a crowd like this and we'd, there'd be a movie show? And all well, you know, I, work for, I work for a company and we have a little test that is called Foresight and it's supposed to be kind of your ability to project, imagine the, uh, into the future and so forth and I score really, really, really low. Uh, my ability to foresee the future extends for about 10 minutes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really... A, I'm, I'm a person of the moment. No, I never could have... I, you know, I thought, you know, a handful of fans coming to see this, it would. I thought it would be a one-time thing. You know? but it's then, something that helps the town even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I it's become what, a big what, deal for them. I think what Rusty was saying about uh, how Howard created so much out of so little. I think that's one of the one of the uh, uh, the commonalities of a lot of people. I've been talking to a lot of people here and, and over the years, and that's uh, that's the the sticking point for the why they're so amazed when they come to Cross Plains and they look at the house and they look at this little room that's as big as a it's actually smaller than a prison cell and even though it has windows still how he created what he did out of the dry texas dust i mean there's there's nothing here and and there's so much in his stories it just uh, that's the one thing that and, and i remarked that when i came first came here it just how incredible it is that he created, you know, all these these fantastic worlds and, and fantastic characters, and he did it out of nothing. You know, just incredible. Yeah, that this is this is an awesome event. It's my first time. It's John's first time. Uh, there are a lot of first timers here this year, yeah. uh, and you guys have been uh, a part of this for for 30 years, and and with it since its inception. And I think you guys uh, deserve a ton of credit, uh, a, a ton of uh, recognition for for getting this thing rolling and and sticking with it for this long. It's it's incredible. What are you gonna do with 30 years at the 60th? Well, <laughs> like I say. I'll deal with that when it comes. <laughs> I, I certainly hope to be here yeah. for that one. What was it about, I can't remember, about 1999, 2000, Andy, you, you said, I'm going to come every year. Well, I, I, I think like, well, if he's going to do it, I guess I am. <laughs> I, I think at one point I said something like, uh, let's do this again in, in 20 years, in 2006. And, and that, that kind of made it into a... Our, our thinking process, but then it, we had so much fun that, well, when it finally got rolling, it was really in 99 when I think it got more, it turned into more of an, uh, a, uh, an event that, uh, and then at, every year after that, it just grew and continues to grow. And uh, every year there's new people that find out about this and how cool it is. And uh, I'm just I'm just grateful for that. I'm I I, I have a tendency to be more in the Spanish aspects of my admiration for Howard, and, and I I want people who come here to enjoy themselves and 
you know, appreciate uh, again, you know, that Howard was a genius and he created all this out of nothing. And uh, and let's everybody have a good time. And we're all here for the same reason, you know, to celebrate the legacy of Robert E. Howard. Yeah, this is great. I I, I don't have anything else to ask right off the top of my head. Do you, John? Thank you for your hospitality and, oh, sure. and inviting us in. And oh, we just man. had a great time. And it's been like a big family reunion that, that, that we've never been to before. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Uh, you know, we started this podcast three years ago. And uh, was it even a year in when Mark, did Mark find us or did we find Mark? Or how we, did it? We got his book at the library. Okay. And then... We, we thought, oh, we'll tweet at him, and maybe he'll be on our show. And surprisingly, he, he was. He was willing. Yeah. Wow. We call him Mr. Well, Finn. Yeah, he, Mark, he, Mark Finn? Yeah. <laughs> agreed to, to do a radio show? Yeah. <laughs> we had no he idea. Seemed, he he, he agreed to, to talk to somebody? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. He's usually so shy and withdrawn. <laughs> We've learned that about him now. Um, but he immediately started telling us about our days and how we had to get down here and meet everybody. Yeah. When, when uh, Mark started coming, I can't remember, it's the end of the 90s, toward the, toward the end of the 90s, Mark started coming to these. And I very quickly realized uh, that I had a, a resource here. And so every time people would say, We're, we have a radio reporter who wants to talk, so we have a reporter. And I'm like, Mark? <laughs> hey, Mark got something for you to do uh, it just seems to come naturally to him and he, he has this quality about him that that allows him to just sort of captivate an audience um but he told us look you guys have to get to cross planes you've got to come down and we were like okay we'll we'll do our best and then that year's howard days passed and the next year he's like all right guys you got to do it and uh, at this point jeff shanks was on our case too and uh yeah. you know and and it was like they were hitting us with sticks going shame shame uh they weren't so, ringing a bell uh, yeah they were ringing a bell and walking us through the town naked um well, thanks for that image there you go uh, <laughs> um, and so this year was the year, uh, and it, it really has just been great. Uh, you can, well, now we expect you to make it an annual thing. That that's, that's, yeah, that, so next year I'm, I'm going to have to talk Ashley into uh, coming down here with me. It's just been really cool to hear what your two perspectives have been on all this because I think Josh and I, we drove into town, he immediately said, this is a lot like my hometown, yeah. and yeah. this is a lot like the house that I grew up in, and it had even even less around it than what this has around it so I, I think we both have we found a connection to Howard coming to cross planes that we didn't have before let, yeah, let the old guys learn you son <laughs> it was also for me it's been a, a it's been wonderful to make so many good friends in the community the, the, the cross planes people started out with the friends of the library group John McCowan, Billy Ruth Loving was the librarian uh, Margaret McNeil's one of the group and then they created Project Pride in 88 or 89 and they bought the house and I just over time when I was especially when I was in Houston I visited more often but over time I just became good friends with a lot of people in the community I grew up in relatively small community where the bookmobile was you know, was a weekly event that just was important in my life and occasional bus trips into the into town to go to the library with my grandmother and then another small town where I got to know the librarian and, and liked her a lot so 
Billy Ruth and I, Billy Ruth Loving and I formed a bond almost instantly. And from that has grown, sometimes you'll see me not, I won't even be sitting with the fans. I'll be sitting with, you know, cross Plainsians and just catching up. It's, it's become a family reunion in a way every year. Yeah. Do you have an honorary cross point certificate? Honorary Cross Plainsian? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm an honorary member of Project Pride. Oh, I, great. I have a card and everything. Cool. Uh, it I, I pay every year. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Leave your dollar bills behind. Uh, it seems as though this year the high school has uh, gotten on board with this. Yeah. Uh, has that been a recent occurrence? That's been fairly recent, yeah. Um, but, again, the work of the Project Pride, I think, and getting people to come down here and see the house and get them to know a little more about Robert Howard and see the importance of Howard and, and the visitors to the community. Uh, the Cross Plains Review for years now has been running, and I think this is largely the work of Arlene Stevenson of Project Pride, has been running. Every time somebody from out of town comes to visit the museum, there'll be a little picture and an article in the Cross Plains Review. Oh, great. And so they can see people are coming, and they're not that it's not all weirdos like Rusty and, and Indy. It's, <laughs> it's you yeah, know, I resemble that. It's a, it's a computer programmer and his wife from Dallas, or it's uh, an aerospace engineer from someplace, or it's you know a, a couple of teachers from Florida, and they keep a little map back there. I think I don't know if you saw it in the gift shop yeah. with pictures of people who have visited and little you know indicators of where they're from and stuff. And I think people have, that's really helps to make it all grow on the on the people locally plus they do see that we we put a little money in the economy every june yeah, yeah. That, that's the, the the important thing about that is is that they do it all year long yes. you know we show up here once a year and some of us come down more than once a year but usually it's once a year and uh, we get all the glory but uh, believe me it's project pride and the, the cross plains people that uh, they do all the work they're just they're so and they're so wonderful to us you know they they just love us to death we're like their their lost cousins who come home for a, like rusty was saying a family reunion yeah when we toured the house earlier today all of the docents were so nice and it, it really felt like we were being adopted into a, a, a new family it, yeah. it was really cool yeah is there a way for our listeners to donate some some dinero to Project Pride online? Absolutely. Uh, well, Project Pride is, uh, uh, they, they, they have a, a PayPal address. Let me see if I can think of it. It is uh, uh, ProjPride yeah. at yahoo.com. That's their PayPal. And then uh, if you wanted to donate uh, via the mail or write them a check, uh, Project Pride, P.O. Box. 534 Cross Plains, Texas 76643. That's a yeah. send them your dough, you know. I or, believe that a membership in Project Pride is still only $3 a yeah, year $3 or $5 for a family. Okay. Yeah. So it's really an inexpensive way to show that you support the work that they do. Yeah, but they, they of course, they accept donations year long and Absolutely. 100% of the donations go to the upkeep and of the Robert E. Howard house and uh, that's you know one of the things that they're they're really proud of is that all the money all the money that we got from the silent auction tonight and all the donation jars 100% of that goes to the house 
supposed to be upkeep and, and all that good stuff. That's a worthy cause because this this it's more than a house, right? It's a it's a symbol that means something larger than just uh, a house, and it's more really than just Robert E. Howard's home. I mean, this is the the cradle from which all of that creativity sprang. Yeah. And and so it, it certainly is more than just, you know, the, the sum of its parts. And you know you've enjoyed the story, so donate a, a Definitely. dollar or two to his hometown. Right. Yeah, if you've if you've ever enjoyed a Howard story, yeah, get pay three dollars and become a member of Project Pride. I heard a story earlier today that, that you sent that out, I think in Rehupa or uh, when the when we found out in nineteen eighty nine we came here for the one hundredth mailing of Rehupa and, and that's I told you there were some loud trucks out here. <laughs> yeah. That's when, we, in 1989, is when we learned that uh, Project Pride had bought the house, and, and we got to actually go in and, and see it. But several of the members of Project Pride had put their own signatures on the mortgage, and so we were they needed to raise some money. And so they were doing all the things they could do locally, and I said, yep, I'm going to send out flyers to everybody I can think of in Howard Phantom. I sent them put them in Rehupa, but I also sent you know everybody in Howard Phantom I could think of that I had an address for or knew somebody who might know them or whatever. I was sending out <laughs> these flyers everywhere. Um, Tom Kovacs was distributing them in, uh, in Europe. So we were getting them around the world and in it I had said, if everyone who ever read a Howard story and enjoyed it sent one dollar, we could pay this house off right away. And Susan said, we started getting envelopes with a dollar. <laughs> and we had these stacks of dollars. <laughs> That's awesome. But and then uh, one, of the, one of the heirs, Allerae Morris, uh, who had come to be the owner of the Howard Wrights, um, donated $10,000 to pay, pay off the rest of the mortgage. And that's why the pavilion also is, she also was very generous to the uh, to Project Pride and, and the library. Uh, and that's why the pavilion is named the Allerae Morris Pavilion. Cool. Well, it's been great to, to learn about all this with you two here tonight. We don't want to keep you up till midnight or anything and we don't want to keep you from your next beer that's yeah. for sure <laughs> but here's to another 30 years of Howard Fandom coming to Cross Plains right? here's to it thanks, thanks everyone and thank another you. 30 years of the Chromecast oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah. see that'd be, be great bouncing it off the moon by then <laughs> <laughs> definitely thank you very much thank guys you. that was awesome thank you <laughs> thanks a lot thanks for having us yeah, that was pretty real It's Josh and John, and this is the Croncast, and we're here at Robert E. Howard Days 2016 with Arlene Stevenson. Uh, are you the director of Project Pride? Well, sort of. I'm president. President. President right now. Okay. Director, and chief, whatever. For those who don't know, what is Project Pride? 
It's a non-profit organization here in town. We actually own and uh, operate the Robert E. Howard Museum. But then we do other things throughout the year. Uh, we provide lunch for the teachers during in-service day, in-service week. We uh, participate in the cancer walk. Uh, we decorate windows down in the big department store during wintertime. And then show lots of tours of the museum and a lot of people through. We took one of those tours yesterday and learned so much about Howard and yeah. his family and his times and, yeah. and it was just wonderful. What's the most rewarding thing about being part of Project Pride? This, this, it's a lot of hard work, but it's so great to get to this point. Because it's kind of like old home week, you recognize more faces every year. And it's just neat. Are you a native Cross Plainsian? No, no? I'm from, born in Kansas. Oh, okay. And moved to Texas by way of Oklahoma. All right. And back to Texas and then back over here. And what do you like about Cross Plains? It's such a magnificent little community for less than a thousand. Yeah. Uh, it's got such a big heart. Anytime there's a, a financial need, a crisis, uh, somebody with cancer that needs help, this little town will come together and maybe raise thirteen, fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars. That's amazing. At one one event. That's really amazing. And then two or three months later, here it comes again. Wow. But it's it's amazing. There's a lot of super people that retire here, uh, bring a lot of skills and experience and talent to this community. So it's a great place to volunteer. Yeah. A lot of things cool. to volunteer for. Yeah, yeah. And how does the community feel about us weird, weirdo Howard people <laughs> descending upon you every year? You don't look weird. I mean, you look just like us. <laughs> uh, they're getting a whole lot better okay. about it. They're finding that, you know, they're just real people. One of what helps that every time somebody comes to visit the museum, we take a picture. That's a lot of what's on the wall in there. And we write a little article for the newspaper. Where they're from, how they got into Howard's writings, what they enjoy about it, what they do in real life. And a lot of times we can say they're going down at Gene's Feed Barn for lunch. Well, that's a promo yep. right there. And I think they're gradually coming to accept that this is a real asset to the community. But it's a work in progress. That's amazing. That's yeah, really cool work slow. to do. Yeah. Do you like Robert E. Howard? Have you read any of his stuff? I read some of it. Yeah. yeah some like, of it's kind of weird, right? <laughs> I'm not into the fantasy type stuff. <laughs> but you don't have to be a fan of his writings. You're a fan of what his writings do you know, what they bring to the community. So, but I like his boxing stories. I like his true Western stories. Cool. Breckenridge Elkins is kind of slow, slow. <laughs> it takes a long time to read it because uh, of the dialect. Right. Yeah, but I kind of kind of like it. I like it too. You, you picked the three of my favorites. As really? Well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you did. <laughs> I like some of his poems. I like that Samaria. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think everybody likes that one. That's a, it's a pretty poem. That's probably why it's front page in our little poetry book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there any way that our listeners, we've got quite a few people out there, we think that listen to the show, can they, if they can't make it to Cross Plains for Howard Days next June or in the future, is there a way they can support Project Pride? Oh, anyway? yes. Money always helps. Okay. How do they get it to you? Uh, they can either send it uh, snail mail to P.O. Box 534, Cross Plains, seven six seven six seven seven four one um they can do paypal which is a p-r-o-j p-r-i-d-e so most of the people registering for this came through paypal so that's, that's that what we did. that helps a lot oh good it really does so a, lot of, a lot of them send, send their memberships that way too okay yeah oh yeah what's the membership can you uh, that? sure three dollars a person five dollars for a, a family a couple 
fried. And also with an operation and yeah. maintenance of the house. Yes, that's uh, right. So if, even if you can't make it to Cross Plains, if you're listening to this, uh, if you've ever read a Howard story and it's made you feel anything at all, then you should send Arlene and Frosted Fried uh, at least a dollar. Send at least a dollar. For three dollars, you can become a member. For five, your whole family can become a member, uh, and you're supporting a great cause. That's sure true. Thank you, Arlene. And that's you know that's what makes all this happen. Yeah. You know we got a neat little museum, but without all these guys helping and coming, we wouldn't have much of a purpose. Well, you're doing great but, work. In- but it, brought the world to their doorstep. Yeah. And that's literally. Hey everybody, it's Josh. And John. And we're the Crime Cast, and we're at Robert E. Howard Days 2016. The and final hours. The final hours, yeah. <laughs> the sun's going down on day two of uh, Howard Days 2016, and we're here with the guest of honor, Michael Scott Myers. Hey, Michael. Hello, how are y'all? Um, and you, sir, have been involved with some awesome projects over the years, one of which is directly related to Howard. Um, and the relationship that Novel and Price Ellis had with Robert E. Howard, and that is you're the screenwriter for the whole wide world. That's that's me. <laughs> um, so, besides that connection, what got you into Howard fandom? Uh, well, I mean, once once we started, you know, we decided to make the movie, and we started doing the research, I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer that we were going to uh, connect with Howard fans. I mean, Rusty Burke, who was at the time Miss Ellis was doing all of her research and writing her book, uh, Rusty was there right there with her, and um, he was our guiding link into the world of Howard at the time. Because once we, de- I decided to, you know, I had read the book and decided to, to, to write the screenplay, I knew I had to start reading Howard. And um, that's when I started reading only Howard. I did not read anything that was not pure Howard. It, I just read his uh, original stories. And Rusty was one of the, you know, the guy that we first came to Cross Plains with to, to research the the, uh, the town and the history. And, you know, he was our he was our Bible, basically, for all things Howard. And from there, uh, I came to my first Howard days and I think it was in 1992, I'm guessing, and met people, and we returned, I think, in 94, um, just before the movie, you know, at that point, we got people together, and we were, had already been scheduled for an, uh, a summer shoot, so we were kind of excited, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got into Howard, because of uh, Rusty, and of course, the subject matter to begin with. I would like to talk to you more about Mrs. Ellis, as you call her novel, and I think she's a great character in, in Howard's story, I guess you could say, but it seems like everybody, they come. you made a movie about her, right. and they want to talk to you about him, and I think she she deserves her own story, right? We should talk, can you tell us a little well, bit about the, her? I mean, the whole wide world, like I said, like I've told people before, the whole wide world is really a story about Novelin, Novelin's relationship with Robert E. Howard. It's not Robert E. Howard's relationship with Novelin. Right. Uh, because that's what the, the memoir is about her, in it, right. from her from her angle. So, um, 
what was she like as a as a person and a teacher? Well, again, I knew her when she was like the last four years she she taught. She was in her late sixties, early seventies, and we were at a private school in Lafayette, Louisiana. We had eighty people in our graduating class, so you kind of you could kind of see how big the school was. It was it wasn't tiny, but it wasn't big either, and. Because she was an older woman, and because she kind of commanded respect um, from her demeanor and her age and her successes and things like that, there was you never had any problems with her with with anybody in the class because she was just that highly respected. Now in other classes, that was not the case. I can assure you, but um, and obviously because she was older, she was much more restrained and refined but she knew what she wanted she knew what she wanted out of you um and she could usually get it um and she i mean she there were great things about her she she could laugh and be funny and she loved athlete athletics and and jocks you know she, she loved to go to football games and we went to the catholic national speech tournament she took us all out to the pittsburgh penguins hockey game awesome. and because she was a big sports fan so um you know, so she hadn't changed obviously much since her formative years. Um, just a little, not as active because just physically she was just older. But, but the, the the drive and the you know what I want out of you, I'm going to get out of you, was still there. And what class did you have her for? I had her for speech okay. uh, my freshman year, which I think almost everyone took that at some point, freshman year or sophomore year, but. Because I had her the freshman year, I was picked to join the speech team. Okay. And so, because of that, I had her throughout all the high school of, you know, years of debate and oratory and all that stuff. So, I had her the whole time. You told a story yesterday uh, uh, at the banquet uh, about her sort of uh, giving assignments uh, very rapid fire. Like I want you to give a, a speech, a three-minute speech. I want you to listen. I want you to do a speech. I want you to listen. Yeah, that was just an extra speech exercise. And yeah. she was very quickly able to uh, decide who she was going to grab for the speech team, and and be yes. able to see that kind of yeah. Because if yeah, because because if you could get up in front of you know the, they say that the greatest fear of most humans is to speak in front of a of, of an audience, and if you could get up there and make some sort of sense or make some you know make some sort of connection. And not be afraid, and, and that's when she could, she could. If you do the Bill Clinton thumb, yeah, lower, <laughs> l- lower the boom on you, and she knew, okay, this person's not going to be on the team. This person has potential to be on the team. This person's really good. I'm, you know, so she she knew quickly, you know, who could who could cut it, who could. And you were making the movie with her, and you were deeply involved with it, and you met with her. You and the actors all met with her. Oh yeah, well, I, I was working with her since the beginning, from since we optioned the book, and and every time I was at home, we would go visit, and we would move forward, move along more with the with the script, and more things about Howard, and then at some point, once we cast Vincent D'Onofrio and Olivia Dabo at the time, uh, in the spring of, of 95 they actually flew down and got to meet miss ellis and hang out for about three days with her in lafayette and what did she think of the whole thing i know that you said before that the final product you hope she liked and you, but what, what, what did she think about the whole process about getting it optioned and then meeting all these people well she was just very i mean she was just tickled yeah well she was she was fine with it i mean she was never overexcited about anything you know okay. um 
but she was, you know, she might have been surprised we got it done, but she was just, she took it very much in stride, you know. It wasn't like, oh, goody, goody, we're doing it. It's just, you know, here's how it was, and, you know, and she's just a, just kind of, just a trooper as far as working with us, and, and, um, like getting too excited, and just, she was just Miss Ellis. I mean, yeah. she never got super excited because she was too dignified for that, you know. But, Didn't turn uh, into a Hollywood. Right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> she must have been She must have been proud of her former student and, and what he was able to accomplish. I mean, that must Oh, well, I hope so. Been. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, she, like I said, when we screened the movie, she enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if she loved it because it's, like I said, the, the experiences of watching your, your story on a movie screen is something that we will never be able to relate to and very few people can and you know I, I tried to make it as true to the book as I could so there couldn't be a lot of you know uh, disagreement or that didn't happen and that sort of thing and um, because she was a drama teacher too she understood that sometimes you have to take dramatic license in little in little bits and pieces but I mean you know 85 to 90 percent of that film is right out of the book is from her book or, or incidents are maybe not where they took place but the subject matter You've talked about the the experience of making the film a lot this weekend, and uh, I wanted to ask, what projects do you have that you're working on right now? Um, is anything upcoming? Do you have something that that's in in production? Or yeah, no, I don't have anything right now. But I'm and I've been going through a tough time. My mother just passed away, and I've been dealing with a lot of family issues. Um, but I do I do have some ideas for some stuff. I'm gonna start once I get settled again. I'm gonna start writing some more. Um, for a while, I was working in television, and I adapted some books, a James Lee Burke book. I adapted a, a Charles Williford book. Um, I have a couple of original stuff I still have out there. So hopefully I'm going to you know, dive back into it in the next six months, and maybe I have a short I kind of want to produce myself and direct myself. So that's gonna, which is also based on a Williford project. So I may, I may jump back into that. If if you ever decide to move forward with the ant movie that you talked oh. to us about the other day, you know two entomologists. <laughs> I know. I can, I can, I can do all. You can, do, we can do all the research on that together. Yeah, definitely. Will help. <laughs> I have, uh, well, I have a title for it anyway. But I'll tell you that later. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for talking all right, to us. Thank y'all. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for coming to Cross Points. Oh man, it's awesome. This <laughs> has been. I'm so cool. Of, gravy and barbecue yeah It's Josh and John, and we're still at Howard Days 2016, uh, getting interviews with people so, who wander too far away from the herd. We pick them off then. Empire. Now we're with Ben Freeberg. Hey, Ben. Howdy. Ben, you are this year's uh, recipient of, uh, what is the category? Uh, I believe it's Black Lotus. It's new. Um, and it's multimedia. Mm -hmm. And uh, you won that because you have been uh, Howard Day's stalwart and you've been working on some awesome videography projects. Do you care to talk about that? Sure. Um, what the award for was specifically uh, Howard Day videos. I'll, I'll set up my camera and then I'll shoot all the panels that go on for the for the two days of, of Howard Days. And then I'll post them when I, when I get... When I get time outside my day job to put them all together, edit them, and then I'll post them on my YouTube page. So, and then I'll send out links, and then, you know, people can send the links to other people they know and that sort of thing. So that way, 
people who can't make it to Texas, Howard fans who can't make it to Texas, maybe once or ever, they'll get to at least see the panels and, and get the info that, you know, everyone who gets to come here gets to experience. That's awesome. And you are a Texas native. I am. You're, That's where my twang comes from. <laughs> you grew up uh, in this region, actually, right? Mm -hmm. How many years have you been coming to Howard Days? Uh, I've been coming about 10. Okay. So yeah. you're an old pro. <laughs> I guess so. I'd, I'd say middle grade. I mean, just, you know, because there's people who've been coming here like Rusty and Indy for 30 years, and a lot of others have been coming here 15 or 20, so I am getting closer, but there's still a fair amount of people have been coming here longer, but... No gray in his beard yet. No, no, yeah. yeah. My hair's thinning a bit, but that's <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, so, what got you into Robert E. Howard? Well, I came late to Howard, actually. Most people get in through the movies or the comics, and Conan specifically, but I, for whatever reason, I didn't really get into Conan. I didn't like the movies when I was younger. I don't read a lot of comic books, so I, there wasn't a way for me to really get into, into it through that venue. I went to school in Abilene, which is not far from here, and at the bookstore they had... Uh, Solomon Kane, one of the Bane editions that came out, I guess, in the mid to late 90s. And I saw it, and I saw the cover, and I thought, well, a Puritan killing vampires and that sort of thing. At least that's the way it was advertised on the book, and that sounded pretty interesting, so I bought it. I read a few of the stories in the front. I thought it was okay, because it begins with the ones that weren't his best stories. And then a little bit later, I found a Bane edition of Bran McMorn. And then I started reading Worms of the Earth, and that's what got me sucked in. Um, I couldn't put it down, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but I couldn't put it down until I finally finished it. And then I finished reading that, the rest of the book that night, and then I went back to Solomon Kane, and then I just had to have pretty much everything he wrote. And when did, when, how did you first hear about Howard Days? I was... Um, I was driving to visit some friends in Abilene. I live in Austin now, and so you have to go through Cross Plains in order to get to Abilene. And so I noticed the house and walked up. There's a phone number on the front, so you can call one of the ladies here and they'll give you a tour. And so she showed up and did the tour. She told me about Howard Days, and it was about a month away or so, I guess. And I thought it sounded kind of neat and came out, and I've been coming ever since. Awesome, when did the videography project start? That started a couple years later. I was I was wanting to do a documentary about something, and Howard Days itself seemed like a good subject, and so I rented a camera and started shooting everything I could. And that year, I just lucked out that the about the one person left alive at the time who uh, knew Howard, Norris Chambers, was there. Uh, he was, I guess he was young teenager when Bob was, you know, late 20s, about 10, 15 years older than Norris, and he had a, he had a kind of an older brother relationship with him, Howard loaned him books, and he typed up, to make copies, uh, Bob paid him to type up uh, copies of Conan stories, and uh, he was probably 90-something, and walking around real spry, I mean, Sharp as a whip, completely with it, and uh, we talked his ear off. He he took us around the house and all that stuff, and it's the last time he came to the house. Um, I got some other panels and stuff after that, 
the documentary idea fell through. I just couldn't get enough people interested to help me and that sort of thing. And I thought, I can't not show this video. I have all this video. I can't just let it go to waste. So I just posted on YouTube and I got tons of hits, comparatively speaking. And I said, well, that, this might be a good thing for me to do is just shoot all the panels every year and, and post them. And you have some projects coming up that work in the videography realm. Uh-huh. <clears throat> On the REH, Robert E. Howard Foundation website, we're going to eventually put a lot of those panels on there, link them from my YouTube page, the Norris Chambers interview, I believe, too. And um, then also... We're gonna. We're working on a tour of Cross Plains to show some of the buildings that are still here, that were here in Robert's time. Of course, the inside of the house, the outside of the house, that sort of thing. So people who can't ever make it to Texas um, can at least look at the environs and learn about kind of the history and that sort of thing. So they can sort of kind of get an experience of the the Howard days. We'll definitely include some of those videos in the show notes and the in the blog post for this episode. If yeah. that's okay with you. Yeah, that's okay. fine. You can you can you can include any of the links on my YouTube. That's that stuff that I just shot this week is not gonna be up for a while. Okay. The these panels, the actual panels They'll be up in a couple weeks, somewhere in there. So I mean, but um, I can give y'all. I can I, I can send you my. I can give you my info. That way, y'all can just go in there and browse and look, find anything Robert E. Howard on there. Y'all can link to. And it'll take us a couple weeks to. Put yeah, it that's fine. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, we have another uh, native Texan uh, sitting next to us. Uh, you joined us while ago, Gary Dow. This is the island. So I wanted to ask you both. Uh, the same question I asked you off mic last night. Uh, do you guys think that being from Texas gives you uh, any kind of insight into Howard's stories? And if so, what? How? How does? How does being from here help? Uh, for me. Um Texas is a very larger-than-life kind of place with a kind of a larger-than-life kind of history behind it. And one thing we know is how to embellish the hell out of a story, too. So a lot of what Howard writes and the way he writes, it just feels kind of natural for me when I read it. You know, you can get a, you get a feel of where he's coming from, just the way he writes. It's, it's it's something you identify with as a Texan. It's like people sitting on the front porch, you know, bullshitting and the old phrase was stretching the blanket a bit, you know, that sort of thing. Just trying to make the the uh, the mediocre things that happen during the day sound like epic adventures, that sort of thing. So I think Texans tend to be pretty good at that. We're bullshitters and proud of it. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of the other stuff, too. His personality is 100% Texan. I mean, if any Texan will recognize a little bit of themselves in him, whether it's the storytelling, his temper, you know, things, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And he also was very, very passionate about Texas history, the Alamo, San Jacinto, all that stuff, Jim Bowie, uh, a lot of the Lovecraft letters between them had, I mean, he was just going on and on for pages about Texas history to Lovecraft, and, and so it's, you know, he's he's quintessentially Texan, so if, if you lived in Texas for any length of time, you'll understand him, you know, a little bit of him. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, that looks like a good spot.
Hey. <laughs> I drank my beer. I see that. Good job. Up next, we're going to get to know some of the scholars that visit REH Days every year, and a couple of whom who have been on the show before. And we're going to talk to Chris Gruber, Jeff Shanks, and Mark Finn. We had great interviews with all of them, of course. They're really good at talking into the microphone, and we learned a lot from them and enjoyed interacting with them. But Luke would like to point out a scholar that's not on the microphone, but was visiting REH Days and donated some books to us, right, Josh? That's right. Yeah, it wasn't for lack of trying. Uh, we, <laughs> we certainly did try to get Bobby Derry on the mic, uh, but he he wasn't feeling up to it. Uh, maybe we can wear down his uh, defenses and get him on here sometime. He, well, man, like his his th- this guy is he's he's authoritative, man. The, yes. the the couple books that he that he sent our way, the the Sex and the Cthulhu Mythos book. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Bobby. He sent, uh, I think he sent a couple with Josh and one of them made its way to me, I guess, as a, as a care package. And I'm really, really appreciative of that. I've already, I've already read through this book. Uh, and uh, this book came out in 2014. Uh, but I know it's won a number of awards and Bobby Derry actually won an award this year, right? Yeah. He, I think he got the emerging scholar. He's the emerging REH scholar. Yeah. yeah uh, from the Robert E. Howard foundation. Yeah. So, so, so this fellow has, has a lot of work, but specifically this, uh, the sex and the Cthulhu mythos book, uh, that is from hippocampus press is a hell of a steal. And I'll just mention it right here that if you guys want to pick up this book, in, at least in terms of an e-copy, you can get it from Amazon, uh, for your Kindle for like six bucks, which is just insane. That's a steal. Yeah. The amount of material that's in here. I mean, it's on par with any of the other sort of authoritative, uh, po- uh, pulp scholarly books that we've talked about, whether it's, uh, you know, Mark Finn's, uh, uh, Blood and Thunder, Blood and Thunder, or you know something like the Dark Barbarian that you can get for for, for pretty cheap on Amazon. Those kinds of things. This is totally, uh, you know, at that level, or I'll just say like like at least in terms of contemporary work, over <laughs> some some of the the older bits of academic uh, work that you can see there. So so this is a really cool resource if you're into Lovecraft or if you're into. Uh, I guess just sex, like in whether it's <laughs> whether it's in terms of like the the influence that 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 you know sex may have played in Lovecraft's work or just other uh, pulp writers. Uh, Derry goes into it on on lots of different levels. So so this book is great. Uh, it is a good resource. I've earmarked, not actually earmarked the the hard copy, but put. Uh, put some notes <laughs> uh, in it like with with bookmarks as far as extra other stories to check out like mm-hmm. I'm really really jonesing now to get into some Ramsey Campbell and some of the the latter uh, writers I guess the latter from like the 80s but but Bobby Derry is is a great resource and thank you again for for sending those books our way yeah uh, I think I think we can get him on the show I <laughs> I uh, I think he was Chromecast curious there toward the end cool. and uh, uh as you'll hear in the uh, Jeff Shanks interview coming up, uh, Bobby uh, approaches us and says, "Hey, it's time for the 
it's time to take a picture. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, we we tell him, hey, you're on the Chromecast. And he says, oh, shit. <laughs> cool. But I think we can get him. Awesome. So uh, here's Chris Gruber, Mark Finn, and Jeffrey Shanks. It's Josh, John, and this is the Chromecast at Robert E. Howard Days 2016, and we're here with Chris Gruber. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing, guys? And Chris, you're a longtime Howard Days goer. That's true. I've been coming since, I believe, 1998, a year after I got married, as a matter of fact. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's, is there anything special about this year's Howard Days? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things that are different. So the number of people that come each year ebbs and flows. Uh, some years we have, uh, you know, robust, healthy uh, turnout, and other years not so much. This year is a, a rather big turnout, and there's a lot of new faces. Um, somebody like me will come often, almost every year, in, in fact. This year we have a lot of new faces, so those new faces are new opportunities for us old guys to talk about Robert E. Howard and, and uh, you know, generate some interest that uh, wouldn't always be there. So this is a really good year. Uh, in addition, it's, a, it's an anniversary year, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of celebrations going on. And, and you can see the, the there's a, a movement between the academics and the, and the you know, what they call the semi-pro fans. The, and these two worlds are kind of colliding now, and what's coming out of it is, is new ways of looking at and examining Robert E. Howard that we haven't done before. It's been really awesome to go to some of these panels here and to see that merger that you're talking about. And you've done a really special panel for the last few years, right? That's Can right. we chat a little bit about Let's that? Let's talk about this. <laughs> Howard at the Eyes. Very proud of that. We've been doing it for 12 years now. Uh, Finn and I started yeah, Finn and I started with um, uh, Leo Grin, a uh, giant of a man. He's a great Robert E. Howard fan. Uh, we started, like I said, 12 years ago. And back then, the boxing stories were woefully neglected. For, for your listeners, you got to read these stories. They're fun, they're violent, they're comedic. It's like um, Three Stooges meets Popeye. There's, there's some really good stuff going on here. I will admit to the listeners and to Josh, I guess, I've been cheating ahead a bit reading the boxing stories. I have, I have been reading some of because Mark and I've read some of Chris's stuff before about just how cool they sounded. I had to, had to try them out, and I love them. I think they might be some of my favorite stuff. That's why I'm the boxing one on the, on the who we are on the uh, see, yeah. <laughs> um, And so we're still in the middle of doing Lost Worlds type stories, mm. but the next season I think we're going to do is uh, cover the Road to the Championship. The Road to the Championship, <laughs> yeah. We're going to cover some boxing stories. Outstanding. Um, and so you're going to have to come back on the show. Love to be back on the show. To talk about Sailor Steve Costigan. Do you think that training as a fighter has given you any kind of insight into the, the fiction that Howard wrote, uh, the, those fight stories, and, and even beyond into uh, some of the stories that uh, maybe are in the sort of sorcery genre where he uh, describes these frenetic, uh, fast-paced fights. Absolutely. The descriptions themselves really blew me away. When I started reading, uh, really you know sinking my teeth into the stories, I started realizing that even in the lesser stories, the ones that aren't really that good, um, the pace and the narrative structure is it's just intense. And more... 
what made it more appealing to me was that you know he's talking about a guy throwing a jab and, and a cross off that jab, ducking in and throwing a hook down to the to the short ribs, accurately dis- describing you know a, a fast-paced, brutal boxing match. Or in one case with uh, hard-fisted sentiment, for instance, which is a story that features uh, MMA style action. You know, we have a savate guy, a jiu-jitsu guy, more of a judo guy, but they call it jiu-jitsu. Um, and, you know, straight up boxing, and, and he's fighting each of them one after the other. You know, I don't know. I've been looking for a, an earlier mention of, of an MMA-style, you know, fiction story, and I'm sure there's one out there, but I haven't yet found it. So Howard was way ahead of his time, uh, once again, in many respects. And even when you see, like, Conan punch somebody, or it, there, the way he's describing that action, the twist of the torso, all the power behind it, you know, he spent a lot of time talking about to himself, to his friends, writing these things down. What is a punch? And he'd write an essay about a punch, how it's properly delivered and how it's properly blocked. Cool. That's cool. It you is know? awesome. Do we have that? Yes. It's in, it's in, in fact, that's, that minutiae is inside the uh, volume one of Fists of Iron. Okay. okay. You can also pick up boxing stories. It's an older version, excuse me, an older um, collection. It's like a survey of, of the boxing that we thought would be most appealing. And that was for a university press called Bison. Books, which is an imprint of University of Nebraska Press. You can probably find it on Amazon. That's where I work. work. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, and you were at the introduction. Uh, to that as well, yeah. As well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, Chris. What? No, I got one. Oh, you got one. Who, who would win in a boxing fight between you and Finn? I got to tell you that I have no, I have no question that I would destroy Mark Finn in yeah. boxing. Yeah. However, however, uh, his his bull-like call would bring about 30 or 40 buddies and they would stomp me into the ground in a heartbeat. I'd never even have a chance getting near him, I'm sure. The Texans would come around it. That's right. right. That's right. Chris, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. live at Robert E. Howard Days 2016 with our good friend, Mark Finn. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Patron Saint. Patron Saint. <laughs> uh, uh, reason that we are down here. <laughs> I, I I figured if I just kept hammering at you long enough, you would bite the bullet and make the trip. And I'm so glad that you guys did. I'm, I, it's, I'm glad we did, too. We, we appreciate the invitation and the hospitality. Great. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had a big dumb grin on our faces yeah. the whole time yeah it's, it's been so great awesome so, how long have you been coming to Howard Days? I can't I first started in the um, mid to late 90s it was probably 96 and it was a sudden thing I uh, my my parents lived in Brownwood at the time and uh, I brought my girlfriend to meet them and they um, they were like, oh it's really good to see you we thought you'd be at the Howard thing what that Howard thing. Oh yeah, there's a there's a Robert E. Howard thing going on in Cross Plains. Mom, you know I don't get that local paper, right? <laughs> yeah, I just thought you knew. All right, well listen, I'm gonna drop my girlfriend off and go. No, you take her with you. All right, we'll go. So we, I literally showed up Saturday, as things were like winding down, 
and they were very kind enough to let me into the library where they had the manuscripts laying out. Now, you guys know what a boxing fan I am. Yes. Literally, the first manuscript I looked down and saw right in front of me was the Destiny Gorilla. My favorite Robert E. Howard boxing story. The one that introduced me to the boxing stories. And I'm going to tell you, I cried man tears. <laughs> I really, very masculine tears. Okay, Nothing wrong with it. But you it, had the gloves on. I did not have the gloves oh. on at the time. Oh yeah. This was they didn't even they didn't even think that they needed that. So I got to I got to leaf through it. No gloves. Wow. Oh yeah. It was significant. Of course, I told her, guys, you really need to get gloves and put these things in mylar envelopes. And she said, you know, a lot of people have been telling us that. <laughs> yes. <Right. laughs> these are treasures. And they so were, uh, they were really into that rule. We got that. Oh, yeah. Once once I. <laughs> knew about this then starting in 98 I plugged in and I've only missed two uh, in, in that time so uh, I, I'm a veteran of, of this place. How did you introduce yourself to this community? I mean we felt very welcome the minute we walked in. We, but that's something we've tried real hard to cultivate you know initially you, you got to kind of dial back 20 years uh, you know the internet is on and I know some of these people from online but it, it wasn't quite um, you know, it wasn't like you're, you're seeing what you guys are seeing are 20 year old relationships in right. some cases or more. And so uh, for us, it was a very, um, it was just a very organic thing. You know, uh, Bill was very welcoming initially. Morgan was very welcoming initially. Uh, uh, and so, you know, uh, once Bill introduced himself to me and, uh, oh yeah, hi, are you, how'd you get into Robert E. Howard fandom? And so that, that little conversational starter has been a godsend over the years. We just, yeah, what, what's your favorite Howard story? And yeah. then that starts a conversation. Yeah. So uh, Bill was one of the first ones to welcome me, and uh, I ran into Rusty at the post office and said, my God, you're Rusty Burke. And he, he said, yeah, I am. And so <laughs> that's a really good Rusty Burke impression, <laughs> by the way. It's actually really good. Uh, and, and so the first thing out of my mouth was, when are we going to see the rest of the boxing stories? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so right away they were like, oh, he's one of those guys. You know, he, What do you mean you don't like Conan? I love Conan. I just really like the boxing stories. And so... Uh, over the years, uh, the the some of the newcomers, you know, we kind of uh, grouped up. You know, the, 1998 was the first year I met Chris Gruber. Yeah. And uh, and you know, Bill said, "Yeah, hey, Chris likes those boxing stories too. You should probably go talk to him." Okay, sounds great. And so Chris and I, you know, started talking then, and that's that's been a friendship that's uh, 20 years old now. So uh, it's been that, that, and now because of these old relationships, it's a very family reunion kind of vibe, you know. Uh, the old jokes. Everybody likes to kid uh, that I shouldn't be on panels because I talk too much. I have no idea, by the way, how that got started. That's, that's a scurrilous rumor, and I refute it. But uh, uh, yeah, and so we're very aware of the fact that that because we know each other real well, it's important for us to kind of keep keep the circle open for newcomers. And, and so uh, I think we do a really good job of that uh, because it matters to us that new people come and and see what we see and and get a deeper understanding of this guy that meant so much to us yeah and we had a ton of new people show up this year right yes this is a record year for for newcomers and folks that we've uh have been trying to get for a while so i'm, I'm just real happy with uh this uh howard is it's been it's been really good and so this has been uh, a significant howard days in a number of ways right all the anniversaries are pretty interesting it's uh i was looking at the timeline at the banquet on on friday night and noticing the the preponderance of the sixes uh the, the, all right but uh 
I was noticing the preponderance of the sixes that everything fell on. You know, um, 1986, the whole wide world, or the one who walked alone and the first Howard days. Uh, 1996, uh, the whole wide world movie. 2006, the centennial. You know, it's just really interesting how every 10 years on the six, there's been something cool. So, uh, yeah, anniversaries was the theme. And, uh, you know, the Lancers, I was really surprised at how many things fell like that. That was, uh, I'm sure if there's any numerologists uh, listening to this, you're already clacking on your keyboard trying to make sense of it all. And please send your results uh, to the guys because I think we'd all like to know uh, what that means, if anything. So the math sorcerer that did the one talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Start, start working on that model now, sir. Well, we wanted to tell you what Chris Gruber was saying. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, we were talking about boxing with him and stuff, and we well, sort of ended the interview well, well, Okay. Yeah. with Go. him about, uh, you know, we went to the boxing match thing the other night. We were really kind of hoping that at the end there would have been a fight. And we said, what would you, what do you think would happen if Mark Finn and Chris Gruber threw down? Oh, I'm like, sure. Who, who wins? Oh, oh, Gruber, hands down. Gruber climbing like a tree. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He said that you'd use this horn thing <laughs> to call in all your friends. That's right. Uh, I'd, I'd have to. 50 Texans would show up. I'd, I would have to. I would have to use the horn. There are a number of, if, you, if you're careful and look around, there's a number of pictures of me and Gruber posing in the heat of the ice house uh, in, in mock combat. Uh, it was never serious uh, because, again, uh, Chris hits uh, really hard, and uh, I have no desire to be on the other end of that. Uh, so, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's very funny. But uh, uh, always, always be nice to Gruber. That's okay. that's a good rule. He looks like he should be nice. Yes, yes, very very much so. Well, now, Chris is a sweetheart. <laughs> well, sir, uh, we know that uh, this is you know the last night of Howard Days. Yes, you're you're here with all of your friends. All yes. these relationships have been cultivating. We don't want to keep you any longer. But we, we do want to give you a sincere thank you because oh. uh, without Mark Finn, I'm not sure where the Chromecast would be. It's a podcast. Oh, that, well, I was, getting, I was getting there. Oh, I'm sorry. I was getting there. I, was getting there. Uh, yeah, I don't remember where I was now. I, I just wanted to tell you that we we thank you. Oh, it's, we it's really my it's my it. pleasure. Luke, you're missed. Uh, you have to make this trip next year. There's no excuses anymore. Uh, uh, this has to happen. And uh, and 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 to anybody, uh, I, I I listen. Here's the deal, folks. These guys have had this recorder on all weekend. There is no telling what's going to end up in the final podcast. <laughs> I would just like to apologize to any faint of heart who might be listening, and I will blame anything you hear coming out of my mouth on the amount of alcohol I've been drinking. So please uh, try not to, those of you who are churchgoers, uh, take this all with a grain of salt. This is what happens when the dudes get together and hang out. That's don't, all. Don't listen to this on a Sunday. <laughs> not on a Sunday, yes. The Bible will burst into flames. Uh, before we let you get back over to the pavilion, what projects are you working on right now, and and uh, are you involved in any other audio, internet audio entertainment? It's funny you should mention that. Uh, the I'm working on the Conan role-playing game from Modiphius, and I'm wrapping up the uh, Thief book right now, which is the first supplement that will come out after the core book. And uh, that's been a, a real labor of love for me. I've put a lot of, uh, a lot of blood and sweat into it because... I want uh, I want I want to do right by Howard and also have something that the fans can really use uh, to make their own Howardian adventures. So that's going to be uh, coming out hopefully later this year. I, I, I think that's the timetable. They're a little behind on editing right now, so I'm not going to push them. But uh, those of you who uh, can't get enough of my golden throat, 
uh, I'm doing a podcast uh, called The Gentleman Nerds, and you can find us at thegentlemannerds.com. Uh, we record uh, twice a week uh, or twice a month, uh, pretty much the same schedule as uh, the Chromecast guys. And we are a little bit more uh, general interest nerdetry. But we, uh, the four of us, talk about stuff and uh, uh, try to get as cerebral and also as uh, uh, fan appreciative as possible. So if you're interested, go check that out. It's it's well worth it. I can endorse it. It's a really awesome. cool movie episode recently. Uh, several, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad you guys like it. Thanks. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much. My pleasure, guys. Enjoy the rest of the evening. It's Josh. John. We're still at Howard Days 2016, and now we're with our good friend, Jeffrey Shanks. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. How are you? <laughs> we're about to get drunk at the pavilion. Wait, we're not on the air yet, are we? All right, cool. All right, good deal. No, still just testing the mics. All right, excellent. Uh, so we're at Howard Days, finally, at yours and Mark's behest. Yes, uh, and, absolutely. We uh, wanted to get you guys down here. This is awesome. I'm so glad you all came. This has been incredible. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your history with Howard Days. Um, I'm actually a, a fair, fairly a newbie compared to a lot of the guys that have been coming here. Rusty and uh, Phil Cavalier, Indy Cavalier, they, they've been coming here for 30 years. You know, They were uh, founding members of Howard Days. They, they began it back in the 80s. Uh, I've been coming here since oh, probably 2009 or so. So, you know, fairly recently compared to a lot of these guys. But, you know, that first time I came, you know, I was hooked. You know, and I haven't missed a year since. I've been back every time and I wouldn't think of not coming, you know, cool. much to my wife's chagrin, you know. But, <laughs> Yeah. Now, this year is a momentous year, right? Lots of anniversaries this year. Lots of anniversaries. It's the 30th anniversary of Howard Days itself. It's the 50th anniversary of the uh, the first Frazetta Conan painting, the, uh, the, the publication of the uh, uh, Lancer paperback with the, the Barbarian painting, which was... You know, really what kind of uh, brought Howard back into popular culture in 1966, you know, 50 years ago. Um, you know, there's, you know, several other uh, anniversaries this year. The uh, Those are the two big ones. Though. It's the 20th anniversary of uh, Whole Wide World, um, which is, uh, you know, of course, for those who don't know, that's the biopic with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, uh, Kingpin, for, for you that <laughs> don't remember his earlier work, you right. know. Uh, played Robert E. Howard in a biopic in 1996 alongside a then-unknown Renee Zellweger. And it's a great film. And the guest of honor this year at Howard Days, uh, someone I think you've, you, you are going to have on or have already had on, uh, Michael Scott Myers. Uh, so he's been here. In fact, I was lucky I actually picked up a... Uh, yeah, we have a, an auction here, and I have, you know, the one thing I came away with the auction was a copy of a shooting script from the nice, movie. Nice, I saw that. I was able to get Mike to sign, so, cool. so that was pretty cool. Awesome. Who won the the con work, the con artwork? Oh, you know, I didn't see. Uh, Paul Herman was the last okay. bidder, and, and I did go on there and bid it just to drive it up a little bit, but I've already got an original by uh, Crom, so, yeah. you know, I, I could I didn't go any further with it. But, uh, <laughs> and, Rachel's got to be sending it. Rachel, if you're listening, hurry up, get my by Crom in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Rachel. Send Jeff his by Crom, by Crom. Uh, so this is a momentous occasion, not just for uh, in terms of Howard Days, right. not just in terms of all the anniversaries, but uh, there was an unveiling of a brand new project that you've been uh, working on here lately 
Really? What's that called? Skelos, the Journal of Weird Fiction and Dark Fantasy. Um, this was is something that's actually kind of snowballed on us. Um, the real discussions for this began at last year's Howard Days. Uh, this is an idea Mark Finn and I have been uh, tossing around a little bit, and uh, and Chris Gruber we brought in. You know, uh, the idea of you know, coming up with a uh, magazine that is uh, similar to what Weird Tales was back in the day. And, uh, of course, the modern incarnation of Weird Tales has, uh, hasn't published anything in a while. It's kind of dormant. Um, you know, some of the other magazines that uh, you know, have been around the last few years, several of them have gone, uh, you know, gone fully digital or they've stopped publishing. Blackgate, which is a great magazine, is just a, you know, has gone to a blog now. So we're thinking, you know, it'd be great to get something out there again that's like this. It publishes uh, not just fiction, but also some nonfiction essays, reviews, maybe interviews, these kinds of things, uh, with lots of great artwork. We wanted to do something like this, and Mark and I, between the two of us and, and Groove and some of the others, we you know, we have a lot of contacts between writers and artists and all this, people that we know that are talented professionals. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's see if we can get a few people and we'll, you know, send us send us some of your stories that you couldn't sell anywhere else, you know send them to us we'll take your junk we'll make a little fanzine out of it it'll just be a fun little thing you know and uh, then we decided uh, you know and at first it was just going to be for free people were just going to do it for fun it was just going to be a fun fanzine you know your friends publishing friends stuff and uh, but then it started to snowball on us and we started getting name people interested and who are friends of ours and we decided you know for one thing we don't want to just publish something and not pay people so uh, we thought about why don't we do a Kickstarter? Everybody's doing Kickstarters these days. I had just been through a big Kickstarter with the Conan role-playing game, um, you know. So it seemed like you know why don't we do this? Maybe we could make a couple of grand. We could pay everybody a little bit. You know, we could get it, get this going. And uh, so we started the Kickstarter a month ago, and we did it intentionally to time timed it to end right here at Howard Days, um, you know, so that we could de- kind of debut it at Howard Days, you know. And, and we were hoping we could make a couple grand, maybe three. If we could get four, maybe we could even have a second issue or something it'd be kind of fun and it kind of blew up on us <laughs> um we hit that that first two thousand dollar base fund goal in less than four hours we hit the second goal to fund issue two in less than 48 hours at that point we're like wow we got 28 days to go what, what's gonna happen and you know so we added more we got more names more people involved and you know all of a sudden this became not just a fun little fanzine but a true semi-pro zine uh you know with professional artists professional writers getting involved um and we ended up uh, funding the first four issues so that will cover us into next year uh we've um ended up uh, the final uh the final amount was nineteen thousand uh three hundred so we're like, almost a thousand percent funded which is kind of ridiculous it's, awesome, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous we were not expecting that and and it's amazing and when you know just for those of you that are listening to this that are backers thank you so much you know for sure you know having that kind of confidence in us we you know we appreciate it and we we know what this means this means you know now we really have our job cut out for us we've got to produce a great magazine and we're going to do that we've got you know great names keith taylor and uh jessica uh salmonson you know is a world fantasy award winner we've got multiple bram stoker nominees involved in this multiple world world fantasy nominees uh, involved in this uh scott odin um uh john c hawking who wrote conan uh, and the emerald lotus you know that's one of the the, the one conan pastiche that everybody loves you know that you know, most people complain about the pastiches but that's the that's the good one you know and uh, it's great to have john involved um today we 
we were talking with Bill Willingham, the creator of Fables, writer of Fables. He's going to do a story for us, you know. So we're going to have Bill Willingham, you know, in there. So it's this is going to be a fun magazine, a fun project. We hope it uh, really takes off, and we hope it will provide an opportunity uh, to get the type of fiction and the stories that we all love. Uh, out to a larger audience, you know, and that's kind of the idea. You, cool. Yeah, it's it's an awesome <laughs> endeavor, and, and clearly people are interested, and in, and this right. is uh, a thing that you know a void that needed to be right. filled with with something, and it was just waiting for you and and Mark and yeah. everybody to come along, and, and and you, Josh. Josh is a is a Skellos contributor. I, I am. My name <laughs> is is on the back along yeah. with you guys and Robert E. Howard. Absolutely blows my mind. You are in. You are published in a magazine with Robert E. Howard. You know, Incredible. which is kind of cool. Number one on the list. Yeah. Well, that's just because of alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah. Um, earlier, you made uh, uh, the the comparison between uh, Skellos and weird tales right and, and you said you know we wanted something that was similar in, in you know at least in right. that vein yes um, is there any plan to include uh, starting an issue two or three a letters column yes absolutely yes okay. yeah, 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 yeah absolutely but we'll also have a website uh, right with yeah, a forum okay. and stuff too so we'll be able to get faster feedback not three months later but we do want to have a, a, a letters column you know even if that's somewhat old school uh, these days because things move so fast on the internet but you know just to have that feel uh, there's still something about having you know being able to you know you know print letters in a letter column and, yeah. and, and we want to get feedback on the stories too uh, you know I mean, absolutely I, and we're having a very eclectic uh, <laughs> you know uh, you know table of contents to start with you know we've got uh sword and sorcery and, and mythos type fiction of course but also things like weird piracy and you know we want to get some sword and planet stories in there and we want to you know try a bunch of different things and uh you know experiment there's weird poetry and things like that so we want to then find out you know what is it that our audience wants more of you know so that we can respond to that you know that's the idea you know yeah it just it struck me that if there was a letters column uh this might serve as a, a platform uh, similar to <laughs> similar to uh weird tales uh and a medium by which uh today's uh fantasy writers and horror writers uh who are up and coming uh might be able to meet one another and start oh absolutely in a uh, yeah, very I mean, old school we, kind of way yes i mean we want to create you know uh not to wax academic on you here but you know in uh you know my weird tales book we did uh nicole emelhans had a great article on looking at weird tales as what we call a discourse community right this is you know a, you know a group of you know not just the professionals but the fans and the editors everyone all working together giving each other feedback and from that all of these genres that we know today really developed the modern forms of horror and fantasy and uh, you know really came out of that uh, that feedback loop that you get between readers and pros and, and you know, all working together and we want to create something like that too we want to create an, a new community around Skelos you know around the, with the website uh, not so not just the journal but the website as well and we're gonna have a blog and do all of these things and that's what we want to do is you know, build a community, build a discourse community, a modern version of that. You know? Jeff, you're involved in so many projects. Is there anything else that you're working on? Oh, a nap. Uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> would, be, would be great. That would read. be nice. Um, you know, I mean, I have my day job, you know, with archaeology and I've got a ton of stuff going on with that. Yeah. You know, just, you know, we, we're still doing the, the, the Conan role-playing game and wrapping that up, you know, the core book's going to be out soon. And, and so I'm still doing, you know, advising on that. Uh, 
and uh, art directing. Um, you know, we've, we've got Skellis coming out. I've got a book on Howard's world building that I need to to uh, work on. I was talking today with uh, Derek from Hippocampus about doing a Howard essay collection. That you know, it's I've got to learn to say no, but I can't do it because all these projects are so cool and, and they're all <laughs> such, of such high quality. Well, so far we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm hanging in there. You know, I, I, I appreciate that. It's it's. Uh, you know, it, it's tough um, you, because you don't want to get burned out and, and that can happen. Um, but, uh, you know, we're doing, um, you know, we're doing, uh, you know, so many good things that, you know, I just got to stick with it. I mean, there's so many, so many things to do. Weird fiction in general is blowing up. Howard's starting to become a part of that conversation more. Um, you know, I think thanks to a lot of the work that you know people like Mark and uh, Rusty and some of the others that we've been doing, going to Necronomicon and you know trying to get Howard out beyond just this core group here at Howard Days. You know, we want to you know get this out to a larger audience. That's why it's so great what you guys do. You're getting this stuff out to people that would not ordinarily be hearing it. And we, that's why we love having you here and. You know, you're you're providing this message out to to another audience, a very different audience, and that's just great stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. We're we're getting the the sign to uh, cut because it looks like it's picture picture. Yeah, time. it's about time to do the uh, the annual Ray Hoopa picture. For those who don't know, Ray Hoopa is the uh, Robert E. Howard United Press Association. It's what they call an APA, an Amateur Press Association, and it's an old old tradition in fandom. Lovecraft was in an APA back in the day, and Howard was kind of in a form of APA, and the the REH. Uh, uh, United Press Association is uh, one of the oldest active APAs. It's been around since the early 70s. Cool. And uh, so a bunch of us here are members of this. And it's old school. We do mail, we, we make physical paper zines and staple them <laughs> and everything and put them in the, what do they call that thing? The mailbox? Yeah. And then mail, you know, if you remember that, that from back in the 20th century when yeah, we used yeah. to mail things with stamps. You know? <laughs> yeah, <that was laughs> you know? fantastic. It's so, very old school. It's fun. One more quick question. One more. Since you were involved with the, uh, the fist at the Ice House yes, panel last absolutely. night, along with Mark Finn and Chris Absolutely. Uh, what did you guys think about that? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, the, <laughs> Good. The I'm glad you enjoyed the that. The lighting, yeah. everything was so great. Um, we, we asked Gruber earlier right. who would win in a boxing match between Chris Gruber and Mark Finn. Uh, we also asked Mark Finn. Group takes him. <laughs> that is the not, yeah, yeah, you know. They're doing the uh, REH group photograph. Bobby, you're on the Chromecast. Shit. Oh no! Hi guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bobby Deary. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Absolutely, that's great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Appreciate it. <laughs>coming to a close of the at least the recorded experience that we had there at robert e howard days um the last thing that we'll talk about here is uh our final thoughts about the the weekend and uh, i i feel like i am speaking for you as well john when i say we had a blast um, yeah it's a great time yeah we we had a lot of fun it was cool meeting all those folks uh talking about pulps talking about uh ant movies uh, I won't say who with, but uh, if you've been paying attention, I bet you can guess. Um, 
and uh, listening to the first ever uh, academic symposium at Robert E. Howard Days. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That yeah. reminds me of home. Yeah, right. Uh, the Glenn Lord uh, Symposium, which included four scholars, um, Jonas Predas, Dirk Gunther, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, uh, Todd Vick, and Daniel Look. And they had some pretty excellent topics to discuss. Uh, we cover that in this uh, last day in review that we're going to play for you and uh, wrap this up. Uh, John, would you go back to Howard Days? Yeah, I think that in the future we need to get back there. I mean, I know that we've all got lives and everything, but it it really was – I don't know. I guess we talk about it a lot in the episode, the power of being at his house. Yeah. We talk about the power of being in that community and, and meeting all those nice people and meeting people who liked the show, people that had never heard of the show and getting to talk to them about it, and people that were just really inviting and, and welcoming. So. I don't know. Yeah, we have to get back there and figure out a way to be a regular part of the Howard Days fandom there. Yeah, schedules are just they're hard when you're grownups, right? Yeah, but schedules right. are <laughs> schedules are hard. Money is tight. Yeah. You know, I'm just I'm really hoping that I can get there here in the you know in the you know next few years. I I really would like to have that experience. I'll be honest, I was pretty jealous whenever you guys were there getting the occasional u- updates. I was I was. Uh, I was pleased with the the little bit of swag, the the Sex and the Cthulhu Mythos book that <laughs> that, that you guys brought back for me, and also uh, Josh was able to snag one of one of the classic Ace, uh, you know, paperbacks. Uh, it's actually the the Conan one, the uh, collection that has what's yeah, what's in that one. So this one has uh, Tower of the Elephant, Hall of the Dead, God in the Bowl, Rogues in the House, Hand of Nurgle, uh, City of Skulls, also the Hyborian H Part 1. There's a lot of good stuff in here. Where there were some of the stories that I just have digitally, so so thank you very much for that, dude. And on top of that, you wrote a very nice little dedication inside it. I'm appreciative. <laughs> uh, God, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you guys were able to be there and represent the Chromecast and and thank you all for that. Yeah, it was a blast. We we missed you terribly, and everybody kept asking us where you were, and we felt very negligent, as as though we had left you at home, like forgotten you at home, like <laughs> Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is great, and I hope that uh, whenever it works for you to go down there, I hope I'm able to go as well because yeah. uh, it's a blast. You'll feel like you're a part of history, man. Yeah, it's it is really something, and uh, Mark has said this, and Jeff has said this on the show before, but being in the house, standing there next to the bedroom where he, where Howard hammered out these stories really is uh, a, a pretty overwhelming feeling. It's, it's pretty neat. I bet man. And like Josh, you, at one point you were telling me about the, uh, the poetry recitations that were going on. That's, yeah, that's right. And that just seems like such a powerful kind of experience to have. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really, think I was going to read one and I talked myself in, into not doing it. Uh, but Chris Gruber walked over and said, Hey, are you going to read one? And, uh, uh, I was like, man, I, I don't know. I just can't. And he's like, yes, you can. And, and it was just so matter of fact. And Chris is a very strong burly dude. <laughs> and so I was, I was both, uh, uh, inspired and kind of scared. <laughs> so I, I did it. <laughs> Fortified your soul. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah and it, it was a good experience all around. Josh was the coolest Gromcaster, that's for sure. He I don't did think. the poetry reading and everything. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I I disagree. I think we're equally cool, sir. The heart and soul <laughs> were there, man. You guys, thank you. 
Um, so we're, we're going to sign off, but, uh, as, as we go, we'll leave you with, uh, the recording of our ride back from cross plains up to Eastland. We'll see you a little further down the lost road. Welcome back, everybody, to the Savage Cromcast. And John and I are in the car driving back to Eastland. We're leaving Cross Plains for the last time. It's the end of the road. The end of the line. We knew it would end sometime. I just didn't think it would end this quickly. <laughs> it did go a lot faster than I thought it would. Yeah. It's, we got here Wednesday. Uh, well, technically, we drove to Cross Plains Thursday morning, I guess. Right. Uh, spent all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day today in Cross Plains. It's a nice town. It is a nice town. It's it's cozy. It's very welcoming. I'm sure the people would uh, not like it if lots of people started moving in. <laughs> right? Do you Probably get that not. impression? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how most small towns are. Yeah. Uh, they're small and they like it that way. But they're, they're glad to, to see us come and visit once a year for sure. Drop some cash. Yep. Help the local economy. <laughs> um, so last night we did a night one wrap up. Night one. Uh, thought we'd do a night two wrap up. Okay. John, put a ribbon on it, Josh. Well, I, I was gonna ask you, what's your favorite thing from day two? My favorite thing from day two. Yep. Um, I like sleeping in this morning. That was nice. <laughs> that was necessary. <laughs> what time did we get back to the hotel? We probably three a.m. last night. Yeah, local time. Local time. It was four a.m. in Kentucky. In your brain. Yeah. Uh, so that was nice, but it, for Howard Days itself, I dug the the life and times of REH panel. I yeah. think Mark Finn, uh, Mark Finn moderated that, and it was cool to see that Glenn Lord Symposium, the academic one. Would yeah, you agree? I would agree. Is that your favorite piece? It was pretty great. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Daniel Look and his talk. He uh, uh, is doing research, doing uh, mathematical models, trying to match up uh, Howard's writing with the writing in the story Almuric, which was finished allegedly by perhaps Farnsworth Wright. Farnsworth, yeah. Uh, but maybe a couple of other suspects. Yeah. Um, so no one really knows exactly who finished that story, but we do know that it was uh, incomplete. Yeah. Um, and the ending, I guess, has some pretty non-Howard or, or uh, un-Howard-esque Very pro-civilization. Yeah, very pro-civilization. The is, interesting part of that to me was that Otto Bender was in the mix. Otto Bender is famous for his Captain Marvel Shazam comics ah. back in the day, and I didn't realize that he could have been possibly in the mix for writing the end of Almuric. Yeah, he must have written some pulps before he moved into the comics. I, I think that's right, and I think that was his name Daniel, he said. Yep, Daniel. He was, ta he was talking about Iotto Bender, that was him and his brother writing together, or Ido? Ido. Ido. Io Ioto. Ito, uh, Ioto. Yeah. Pidgeotto. I'm not sure. That's <laughs> um, my favorite part, I guess, was, uh, yeah, that Glenn Lord Memorial Symposium. This was the first year for that. Yeah. There were four speakers. I can't remember all of their names, 
um, off the top of my head, but we'll put it in the show notes, uh, which is quickly turning into a small booklet. <laughs> but there were four papers. The first one was about uh, regional dialects in yeah. uh, Breckenridge Elkins and and uh, stories prior to that. That guy's uh, name was Jonas. Jonas, yeah, he's uh, uh, was, he was he? a professor in Vermont. Vermont. I was thinking he was at um, St. John's. Saint, oh, I thought he said St. Joseph. Okay, we don't know where he's from. We'll, uh, that up. we'll look it up. Yeah, uh, then we had uh, uh, Derek. <laughs> What's his last name? I didn't catch his last name. I didn't either. Frankly. And he talked about Howard's use of time in his stories, which that, I, I thought was pretty fascinating. That was a good talk. I liked that one a lot. He was a very entertaining speaker in the first place. Yeah, very charismatic. And then his his subject matter is something I think we've hit upon in the show. He said some things that I was like, I'm almost positive we've said that verbatim before yeah. on the show. And that's kind of a nice reaffirming thing to hear somebody who's, got a, who's going to get a PhD in Robert E. Howard, basically, saying things that we've thought. Yeah, um, then we had Todd Vick, who did not give a, uh, did not have a PowerPoint presentation, no, he, which I think kind of hurt his presentation a little bit. <laughs> uh, it was a little hard to follow, but he was talking about Conan as an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, kind of not following that uh, uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey formula. It, yeah, it was interesting that he seemed to take umbrage with this idea that, that Conan has been called a hero and it seemed that most of the crowd took umbrage with him taking that position. <laughs> but I think we took the position that Conan is kind of an anti-hero. Right? Yeah, I, I guess I don't see. I don't see the, the controversy. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the final talk was uh, Daniel Look, and and he he as we mentioned was was looking at a mathematical model to try and figure out who wrote uh, the ending of Almiric. Right. Big yawn from John. <laughs> the other really cool thing about today was we met uh, some some people who are near to the podcast, right? Yes. Uh, I can't remember James's last name, but James is a podcast listener. Yes. He, he recognized our voices. He recognized your voice. Well, I think he recognized both of our voices. I don't know. Um, because I don't think I have that distinctive of a voice. You're, yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, anyway, we were at the Cross Plains Library looking through the Robert E. Howard collection, which contained several uh, original typescripts. That was a good part of the day, too. Yeah, that was great. Uh, there were also some great uh, uh, old weird tales. Uh, they were in awesome shape. We took some photos with those. The Bathead Lady cover. Yeah, the Bathead Lady cover. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, uh, the the Devil in Iron. That yeah. one was pretty solid. Black uh, Colossus. Black Colossus. Uh, Queen of the Black Coast. Queen Cows. of the Black Coast. There were several really good ones. Yeah. Um, and so we ran into James there, and he uh, listens to the podcast. He's a, a, a local boy, a, a Texan. Ten, ten minutes away, he said something. Cottonwood, Texas. Yeah, I believe you're right. Uh, so, James, if you're listening, hey, man, it was great to meet you. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, then, uh, what else? We, we ate so much barbecue. That, it was mostly a meat-filled day. Yeah, uh, 
we, we how many brisket sandwiches did we eat? We each had two brisket sandwiches at lunch. And then I guess we had brisket again at dinner, right? <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, for breakfast, gravy. Yeah. For lunch, you had gravy. Bris- brisket. Right. For dinner, brisket. Brisket. And sausage. And sausage. And well, beans. And beans. And uh, man, I've eaten so much and I've defiled myself. They killed the, the golden cow or whatever, the fatted calf for us this weekend. Is that right? I think so. Wow. <laughs> the other cool thing about today was we met longtime listener and friend of the show, Gary, uh, Gary Dow, who uh, was among the first people outside of our circle of friends who found the show, started listening, and started corresponding with us. I, I think he was the first one. I think he was. Yeah, I don't think our friends listened to it. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, so Gary's been the, a, a great supporter of the show, a good friend, and it was it was great to meet him and hang out for a little while. It really was. Uh, what else? What else am I missing? We interviewed a bunch of people. Yeah, that is true. Uh, we've we've got a couple of people that we we didn't get to that hopefully we can get to at some point soon. They'll be on the show soon. Yeah. Um. But yeah, wow. I like chatting with Arlene. That was nice. That was really nice. Uh, Project Pride really is a great local nonprofit uh, organization. They're taking care of Robert E. Howard's house. Uh, they do a lot of really good works in the community. So, really, I know I know you don't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it again. If you've ever enjoyed a Robert E. Howard story, send Arlene a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. Send say ten dollars. Yeah, you can spare ten bones. If you can't spare five, and if you can't really can't do five, you can do one certainly. And every single dollar, every cent that they get goes right back into maintaining that house, which is, as we've said several times this weekend, more than a house. It, and if you ever make it across Plains and go to Howard Days and tour the house, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm saying. It's been a magical weekend. It has. It has been great. Uh, it's been refreshing. I'm eager to jump back into Howard stories. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to Rusty Burke about... Uh, Brand McMorn. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to uh, Mark about boxing stories. That's the future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just I can't wait. I'm, and it's it's interesting. We are almost at the three year mark for our podcast. That's true. And I am still just as eager to record as I <laughs> as I was when we got started. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, so. Yeah, dude, this has been an awesome weekend. I'm so glad I got to share this experience with you. We'll have to bake a cake for the birthday of the, the Chromecast. That would be great. Uh, and next year, maybe uh, me and you and Luke can all come. That would be great, Luke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of people have been giving Luke hell. That's true. Uh, I so. think he was the one that wanted to meet with what I was picking up on. I guess so, yeah. Lots of people were like, well, where's Luke? Yeah, he's the, the John Paul Jones or whatever. I guess. Is that the monkeys? Is it? Yeah, it is the monkeys. So, uh, I guess we're rambling now. So maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should call it a uh, call it quits. Thank you, Cross Plains. Thank you, Texas. Thank you, Project Pride. And thank thank you, Mark and Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And we hope to see you all again next year. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but for now, I've been Josh. I'm John. And you were listening to the Chromecast goes to Cross Plains. Adios. Rumors spread around. 
I wish we could find a song about old Rip the Horny Toad to play there. <laughs> <laughs>